0: Is it, is it maybe similar to, I've never messed with any of this kind of stuff. I've never, other than Kratom, um, I never, uh, never smoked pot. I never tried really any, any of this different stuff, but is it maybe somewhat similar to just so other people can be more related to it? Um, just the effects of like alcohol in terms of, uh, what it does to kind of let your guard down in terms of like inhibition of like maybe I going to talk to a girl it, or it something.
1: Would, it's it in, yeah. You're right. I know it, it probably doesn't lowers, feel it
0: probably doesn't feel the same way, it but feels maybe way
1: different. There is a euphoria. Um, it lowers inhibition to an extent. You know, I don't make stupid decisions on pharmaceutical MDMA where I make a lot of dumb decisions on alcohol. Um, that said, I think it. You know, one of the, the critical differences is you know alcohol numbs you. It it quiets the mind in a different way. It really it is a sedative, whereas the MDMA that I'm talking about opens you up it it makes you want to have the conversations you normally wouldn't feel comfortable with and in that you know some people feel like fuck i said too much or i told this person i love them and i don't really love them you know those kind of things can be you know maybe the 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 double-edged sword if there is one um but i think also a clear you know distinction to make is that this stuff is way different than what you would take at a rave you know like like the, the the pharmaceutical is so much different than Um, ecstasy, you know, that's cut with uppers and different things. Mm. And you really have this, this huge low point for days, even weeks following that, you know, as long as like, as Rick Doblin says, um, if you give it the space necessary and treat it as a ceremony where you're, you're journaling, you're meditating, you're taking time to decompress, you're going to bed on time, (laughs) you're staying well hydrated.
0: There's very little side effect. Is, is there a little bit of a battle, uh, from, uh, the company on it, Aubrey Marcus yourself, uh, against, uh, people just thinking you guys are just like high all the time kind of thing, because you have a lot of science behind you. Like you, you, you're extremely intelligent when I hear you uh, talking on Instagram, um, uh, about, you know, the, the, um, benefits of of sauna and benefits of fasting and you know the actual science behind it and you have you have that credibility of knowing that and the audit academy seems to take great pride in researching the supplements that they make and stuff like that is there ever kind of a knock against like hey man these guys are just weird spiritual people that are hanging out at a campfire getting high as shit all the time
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's there's definitely resistance always you know and um Certainly, you know, you look at the way the company was built and Joe Rogan being a big part of that. You know, a lot of people have come out and said, hey, this shit's snake oil. It doesn't mm. work, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they had a pony up 200 grand for a double, double blind <laughs> yeah. study done it at, at uh, Boston Center for Memory to verify Alpha Brain works. And they do it a second yeah. time with
0: a different age group, all with healthy individuals. I, I like it. Alpha Brain. I mean, this is not a commercial for it, but I, I legitimately, when you're trying to pull words, and you're trying to pull something from your memory, I legitimately have noticed a benefit from it. It fucking works. You know, I, I feel it works.
1: There is resistance with that. And then certainly, you know, as you start, any time you use the word God, or you start talking about things in a spiritual sense, or the benefits of meditation, you know, it's there's People, resistance whoop, there. Because it, if you don't know about it, like, did you ever see the fucking documentary Wild Wild Country on Netflix? I have not. It will blow you away. I'm going to write it down. It's uh, with this dude Rajneesh before he became Osho. And he he moves his ashram from India. Uh, to Is Antelope, monk? Oregon. No, he's um not a monk. Uh, spiritual teacher, you know, um, but it's, it's, I don't want to give it away, you know, especially if people haven't listened, but yeah. it's worth watching. And, and there's a lot of resistance from these old white Christians out in the middle of nowhere in Oregon. Mm. And uh, they show both sides beautifully because you can see that resistance. So there's always fear of the unknown and certainly with other cultures and things that are, that are out there, my job is to try to distill and break down what's useful and what are the, the best, most effective ways that are also time sensitive because people don't have an hour to sit in a dark room. Right. You know, like it, truly if you start to learn and feel the benefit of these things, you can extend that. You know, you don't have to just do it for 10 right. minutes, but if that's if that's the entry point, the low hanging fruit for people to get a piece of the action and say, oh shit, I feel better,
0: right? That's important. So those are the tools I wanna give to people. You know. There's a, a lot of things to talk about, you know, when you talk to Kyle Kingsbury and it, it's, it's hard to fucking figure out almost where to start, you know, like to me, <laughs> to me, you're like a hero in some ways. Cause anybody that, uh, has stepped inside the octagon for the UFC, I'm a huge UFC fan. I've been watching it, uh, from, from day one and, uh, I've, I've loved it for a long time. And so anyone that steps into the cage, I got a, I got great, res- great respect for, uh, but there's so many other things to talk to you about. You have a great relationship with your wife you got your maniac kid bear yeah. <laughs> <The> fear- <laughs> literally the, a little animal yeah the the, fe- the fearless one and uh, you have this um, you're, you're you seem to be in pursuit of something larger than uh, just your job at on it and just uh, and just being a former uh, competitive UFC fighter it seems like you're in search of something greater uh, what what is that that you're in search of do you think
1: well, you know, I guess the coined term at on it is to live each day a little bit better than we did the past, right? Mm. And um, it's funny, you know, when you use the term searching or grasping or longing for something like that, that thing is always out in front of you, right? It's never fucking there. You never actually <laughs> embody it. So I want to be careful when I talk about that because it's not. I want to be happy. You're always yeah. in a state of wanting that thing as if you don't fucking embody it. Right. And um, but but. You are correct. You know, I'm looking for all the tools, all the different tools, all the different ways that can help myself personally to live better, to to feel better, to know how to deal with stress, to be able to reset myself quickly and just see things from all sides and have a little bit of perspective. And then training, movement, you know, diet, nutrition. I mean, it all goes together. The body and the mind are interlinked and people think that that's, that's separate and it's really not. So figuring out all these different methods that can help me personally. And then whatever does really bringing
0: that out to the world. I I like the word that you said, you said perspective. And to me, like, that's a really crucial element of being a human being, because if I, if I don't understand where you're coming from, it's, it's really hard for us to communicate. That's really hard. If, if I, if you said you're really pissed off about something or you're super happy or whatever, whatever the situation is, if I don't have perspective into how you might feel, or if I never even think about, hey, when I go to say this to this person, how are they gonna react to that? If I don't have that, then I feel like I'm missing a key element of being a human being.
1: Yeah, and that's, if you look at like, if you, again, going back to some of the spiritual teachings and I'm not trying to make this too spiritual, but just take the word compassion. It's really easy to feel compassion if you try to piece together all the things that led this person to screaming in your face (laughs) or crying on your shoulder. For an extended period of time and nothing coming out of your mouth is fixing the situation. Right. Right. But if you put yourself in their shoes, if you're able to see things from their angle, then that can at least paint a picture where you can feel what they're feeling and understand why. Right. And that, that makes communication way easier from that angle. Right. It's a lot easier to have a little love and understanding for that person that's going through some stuff when you have compassion for them. Right. And that's not always easy to do, especially if you're getting yelled at or you're the <laughs> one that's being blamed for something. You get in a tense situation, it makes it more difficult. Yeah, and having different tools, like, I mean, the breath work has been essential because you train your body to shift into parasympathetic state instead of being in fight or flight in this, this beta wave where we're high thinking, go, 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 type A personality. And we shift that down into a flow state or alpha wave and we're more meditative and parasympathetic, rest and digest. Mm. And we're just in a relaxed state If I can do that through breath work, then as the, the shit's coming my way and I take a deep breath, the body remembers, it remembers that slow, deep exhale as a, "Ah, everything's okay. I'm safe. Right? Everybody listening. Ready? "Ah, I'm okay. I'm safe. In the nose, out the ass. (laughs) Wait, what?
0: (laughs) It's in the ass, out the nose. Oh, sorry. You got it backwards. (laughs) How how do you breathe? I mean, it sounds like a weird thing, but uh, when you started to investigate and started to poke around, look into some of these things, <clears throat> were you kind of almost like, "Well, fuck it, I not, you know, I know how to breathe, right?" Yeah. Well, it was funny you
1: you mentioned that because. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about breath work, and I was like, yeah, that's bullshit. And then uh, I
0: was working with a sports psychologist when people I was People blowing fighting. up balloons and shit. You're yeah. like, what is this guy doing? Hey, I
1: got to do that with the Art of lay- Breath
0: guys. Yeah, on lay- laying on your back and, like, squeezing a ball between your legs and, like, blowing up a balloon. You're like, is this person going to squirt out a baby or something? What <laughs> the fuck's going on yeah, here? Is this Lamaze? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's to teach you
1: diaphragmatic breathing. You know, you look at kids. They breathe with their belly. And then, you know, we get so tight, and we're worried about our abs. And everybody's breathing into their chest and I'm that's not about. good. You know, you're using <laughs> accessory muscles, like your Dude, neck and you your throat. Me out? <laughs> it's it, that's, that's the breathing that happens when we're tense. And if that's the only way we breathe 24 seven, that keeps us sympathetic. That keeps mm-hmm. us in this, this portion of our body. That's go, go, go. And worrisome. Right. So if we can learn to relax and use our belly to breathe, that has a lot of benefit, you know? So I first got into this stuff and fighting and it was really simple, like inhale for 10 seconds, hold for 10 seconds, exhale for 10 seconds, all through the nose. And, um, you know, that just layered into other techniques. and you Utilize that like in,
0: in training or just when
1: you're like relaxed? and Just when I'm relaxed, out. you know, first thing in the, like twice a day. I do it for 10 minutes, twice a day. That's kind of hard, 10 seconds? 10 seconds, in, well, you could do anything. You can do, I mean, box breathing does five, 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 five. So that military uses that, five seconds mm-hmm. in, five second hold, five second out, five If you If hold. you
0: uh, go to take a breath in, and you have a hard time because I've tried I've tried some of these things. You have a hard time getting a, a big gulp of air. What does that mean? That you're gonna die in 10 seconds? Or <laughs> no, you're not gonna die. <laughs> it probably means you're excited. You know, you mm-hmm. might have
1: had a lot of coffee, you might be in a stressful situation, or uh, you have a lot of shit on your mind, the heart rate's up. You know, I mean, if you try to do um the five-second box breathing, which is a 20-second cycle in yeah. between big squat sets, that's gonna be pretty fucking hard to do, right? right? So there's a time and a place for it, and usually when you wake up and when you go to bed are pretty good because you're, you're, you're tired and you're kind of already in that relaxed state. Um, so just pairing it with that. But then, you know, you circle back to that when you're in, if you're trying to actively and mindfully slow your breathing down when you're in the shit, mm. that's good practice too, you know, in whatever way, even if you're just doubling, one of the easiest ones is just to mm. double your exhale. So you inhale for four seconds, you exhale for eight. Mm. That's a very easy way to extend that that exhale and that's parasympathetic the exhale you know rob wilson was was out at on it from art of breath and he he co-founded that with brian mckenzie and it's a beautiful system they take uh Pachenko method and um uh, wim hof and a number of other modalities and kind of piece them together in a way where you can learn to breathe differently throughout the entire day consciously and that's for performance for recovery for meditation
0: you name it there's you know like many paths up the mountain with that too just right. in itself. Uh, when you were fighting, did you ever get in a situation where, you know, you're mixing it up with somebody, uh, they took you down, you took them down and so on. And now you're like, oh shit, I need to breathe. Is that something that helped calm you down? Is it something to help you recover? Yeah. There's
1: positions in fighting where, you know, if you get taken down, you can panic and, and try to just it's a huge part out to get jiu-jitsu, up. Jiu-jitsu, right? I mean, a yeah, guy's or... laying on top of you or digging his knee into your chest or whatever it might be, right? <laughs> exactly. And you just, but you just remember, hey, slow the breathing down. And then that one thought, it's not like I'm going to keep thinking that. I got to think positionally, uh, risk control, how am I going to get back to my feet, wherever the situation calls for. But if my first thought is to slow my breathing down, that's a good thought to have. If a guy's pressing me up against the cage and I'm panicked, hey, slow my breathing down. Now dig the underhook. Now get out, get out of the spot. You know, those kind of things. First thing when you get back, if you ever watch, um, ah, shit, Greg Jackson from yeah. Jackson's MMA, yeah. when, they, when they record him, And he's mic'd up in the corner. The first thing he tells his fighter to do when he gets back is usually five deep breaths or six deep breaths and that, and he'll count for him, Mm. you know, and he, that's all he cares about because he knows once he's reset his breath, now he can hear him. Now he can listen and pay attention to whatever adjustments Mm. need to be made. And he's one of the best dudes in MMA for making corrections in between rounds. You know, you look at all the great fighters that he's coached over the years. They make a lot of adjustments. And that's one of the things though, you're not receptive to, to any new information when you're huffing and puffing and you're fucking panicked. You know, you got to slow that down. Now you can take in information and really receive yeah, like that. What
0: the fuck did you say 10 seconds ago? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just got punched in the I'm face. I'm dying here. <laughs> like, uh, uh. Uh, that, uh, makes a big difference too. Um, you know, you have a coach, you're used to their cadence, used to the way they speak. And, uh, sometimes you see some of those corners or, you know, people are like, what the fuck did you, you know, you messed up you're behind right and now they're probably causing almost more more problems for the guy rather than uh giving him assistance uh you know in powerlifting, you know we'll we'll turn the music up it gets a little crazy um the russian lifters have a different perspective on some of that they don't you know they're pretty uh stoic when they, they lift just put on Some <laughs> yeah. nutcracker and yeah, they go out there and rip 950 pounds off the ground or whatever it is but uh you know people will yell and scream let's go you know smashed away all these different things that you hear and a lot of times d- depending on the lifter but most of the time i'll kind of creep up to the monolift, and i'll just i'll kind of talk the person through the lift a little bit and i'll tell them yeah breathe yeah, don't forget to focus on taking air into your stomach push against your belt i'll say you know how to squat let's you know that now it's time to do it they're just almost like uh words of encouragement Rather than like, let's go, motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, there's time and place for for all of it. I think, but uh, you know, here at Super Training, I think it's always helped us. Have you gotten coaching like that before, where you got you know because you're you're getting people punching you and kicking you and stuff?
1: Yeah, and I've had it on both sides. You know, I, I the first time I won fight of the night was out in Austin, Texas, and uh, my coach who passed away, Weedsy. You know, he, we were going in the third round, and and I I thought I'd won both rounds, but it was still close, and he all he said was. How bad you want it. And if you rewatch that fight on Fight Pass, you hear Rogan listens to him saying that and he just how bad you want it. How bad you want it over and over again laughing about it. But that was it. That's what I needed at that time. You know, and All I right. went out and I won, you know, I won that round, but um there is a time and a place for encouragement. There's a time and a place for hey, just slow down, relax, you got this and let's let's work on some of these these more um Technical aspects of the game, you know, but but yeah, like you know, powerlifting as well. Jesse Burdick, breathe into the belt, you know, breathe deeply. Don't chest breathe. Breathe, expand the belt as far as you can, and push into that thing. I mean, that raises the spine. That's when you're really going to get the most core strength and stability in whatever lift you're doing, even on bench press. So there, there's, I've certainly gravitated more towards the technical side of things and being relaxed because if you're getting punched in the face (laughs) or if you've got you know heavy weight on your back. I don't need words of encouragement. Like I know what's at stake when I start walking that out or, right. you know, if it, when they take the monolift off and you got all the weight on your back, like, yeah, I'm in the <laughs> moment I'm locked in. I don't need it a little extra, but some right. people do.
0: Right. Yeah. Everybody, everyone's a little bit, uh, a little bit different, uh, back to the breathing. You're saying kind of breathe into the, into the stomach. Uh, how do you teach yourself how to do something like that?
1: Well, I think that's that's one of the beautiful things the art of breath guys are doing is that they they have you know mobility tools like if anybody has ever used Kelly Sturette's, uh balls on the stomach mm-hmm. that's not fun but yep. you breathe into that and you can open up the psoas He's got kinda, his butt plug yeah unlock a lot so of
0: supernova it. and uh, breathe into the butt plug yeah
1: <laughs> breathe into it but um you know you open those things up and then you find you can actually take a deeper breath into the belly and you're not trying to see your belly go out if you think about a fake weight belt being all the way around your body, that's what you're trying to expand into all the way through the back, the obliques and everything. You want that to go in all directions and you can do a little thing where you just kind of hold your hands over your obliques, you know, just above the hips and breathe into that and try to expand your, your hands out. Push your fingers outward. yeah, Yeah. Just feel that open up, you know, with your thumb and your forefinger around your obliques. So that's something you can do just... For
0: relaxation purposes. Yeah. You
1: can do it driving. Just put it on cruise control and let God steer the wheel for you. Like you can do it anywhere or maybe not driving, but you can, you can do it damn near anywhere and really feel what that feels like. And then again, like it's easier once you've kind of greased the groove on that pathway to know like, oh, am I breathing into this? Let me check. And it's all repetition. Consistency is king with everything in life. It's no different when the breath, with the breath work. And the more you get into that state and the more you breathe properly and work on
0: those mechanics, then it becomes thoughtless, right? How, how different are you as a person from like 10 years ago? Because I'd imagine like when you were fighting, I mean, there's, I know some fighters are like more technical and they get into it because they used to wrestle or whatever. And every fighter I ever, ever had on the show, they all lie and try to claim that they're not maniacs, <laughs> but uh, there's got to be a side to you as a fighter. That's like, you know what? I want to fucking punch this guy in the face. I want to punch people in the face. This is what I, this is what I like to do. And I'd like to test my skill against another man one-on-one, right? So what is, you know, how have you changed from that mindset to being a more understanding person, being a person who is, uh, a lot more enlightened. And the second part of that question, uh, Loaded is, question. Yeah, the second part of that question is, would you be able to still fight the way that you are today
1: versus the way you <laughs> I are like then? that
0: fucking question? Nobody's <laughs> asking me that post
1: fight career. Um, well, let's see when I got into fighting. Uh, I very much was angry. I hadn't done any personal work. At and I, me? No, not oh, you. Oh, okay. But I just wanted to fucking destroy someone. You know, like when, um. I'm glad it's not me. You know, when, uh, in Fight Club, when he beats the shit out of, uh, Jared Leto? Yeah. And he's yeah, like, what yeah, the yeah. fuck's wrong with you, man? And he goes, I just wanted to destroy something beautiful. Like I had that. Like yeah. I just wanted, I didn't give a fuck if I got hit in the face. I wanted to hurt someone. That's a
0: great scene.
1: And, you know, moving through the career, it, it shifted to, I wanted to be the best version of myself. And it didn't matter. I wanted to win for sure, but I didn't care if I hurt the guy or if I just won with a rear naked choke and he didn't have a bruise on him. I just wanted to win. I wanted to be the best version of myself. You know, I got, I had a shoulder injury, started getting into the plant medicines. And, um, I think ayahuasca specifically. And at a certain point in time, it just, it didn't matter anymore. So in my last fight, I realized in the fight, this is the last time I'm going to fight. Hmm. And I still wanted to win, but there was a lack of aggression, even in the locker room. I remember hitting mitts and just feeling like it's not there today. And I wasn't sure what it
0: was, but the, like in the fight, it was like, oh, this is it. You yeah, know, there's it, a big it wasn't difference. important anymore. Yeah, there's a big difference between, uh, you know, throwing your jabs and your hooks and stuff with technique versus like I'm picturing smashing somebody's skull. Yeah, right? there's a little oomph. There's a, there's a little <laughs> bit
1: extra on top, right? <laughs> right?
0: Especially on fight day. It does and sound it's... savage, but it is a fight, mm-hmm. right? You can't like, you, you can't be in there uh, lo- losing sight of that. Yeah. You know, you can't be in there lose like I'm sure there's a lot of technique that you're always thinking about and there's a lot of things that go into it, but uh I sometimes when I'm watching UFC, I'll kinda look at the fighters going back and forth and you can kind of sometimes see occasionally somebody will lose sight of the fact that it's a fight.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so going into the second part, like, could I still fight today? Not not as a professional. You know, there's no doubt that final fight I had proved that to me that it's right. not, it's not as important as it should be. If This is what I'm going to do professionally. Um, and a lot of other factors, you know, fighters pay everything that we talked about before goes into that. But, um, you know, can I defend myself? Yeah. You know, You're I was right, still right. working. I was still working at a, at a titty bar when I was fighting in the UFC. Right. And, uh, when I retired, totally. I, I continued working there for a couple more years and, you know, you gotta, you gotta throw people out of the bar, that kind of thing. And there was times right. where I'd get challenged and, and. Especially, it would especially bring me back to that level of, mm-hmm. of of I will destroy you when someone recognized me and still said like make me get out of the bar you know like something like that then it was just like <laughs> all right everything just comes back push yeah. kick to the nuts guillotine yeah. lift him off the ground carry him out you know those kind of things so that's still in me and and I like keeping the sword or the the sword <laughs> Sean Connery sword yeah I like good. keeping the sword uh, sharp when I'm doing anything in life you know like right. i haven't done a lot of striking but i'm i'm down to get back into muay thai and certainly with jiu-jitsu and things like that like that kind of scratches the itch of human interaction and martial arts and in a way that's that's humbling but at the same time it services that desire to to grab hold of somebody and strangle them like that's <laughs> still there too you know but but it's different
0: now yeah you got different goals and and uh when you're younger you're you have a lot more like quote-unquote fight in you I think, uh, you know, every, I think almost everybody goes through that when they're, when they're a kid, uh, you go through this period of time where you're just kind of angry. You're
1: mm-hmm. just kind of
0: like, who the hell knows why? Um, I certainly didn't have any reason to, gr- to be angry. I have great parents. I grew up in a nice area, but, uh, for whatever reason you're, you're going through, uh, hormonal changes <laughs> and whatever else is going on in your body when you're a kid and you're pissed off. Mm-hmm. You're kind of angry. And as you get older, a lot of that changes. And then your goals change a lot. Financially, things are different for you now, um, and uh, you know working at a bar like and just surrounding you're you're not surrounded by the greatest people. Yeah, that's certainly the atmosphere. And and now, now you're surrounded by some of the best people in the world that are that are uh, experts in different in different fields. And you can kind of pick and choose. Oh, I want to learn about this. And I want to go over here and I want to learn about that. How did this job with uh, it come about? Because it seems like a perfect. That seems like a perfect marriage between, the, between you and uh, Aubrey Marcus and the Audit Academy.
1: <laughs> How'd it come to be? Uh, let's see. Well, you know, I, had, I was a fan of Aubrey's for years going back, listening to him on the Joe Rogan podcast. And um, I went out to Paleo FX, uh, last year just to meet people, you know, and, and ended up meeting Aubrey. We hit it off at dinner and um, we shared the same flight back to Vegas from uh, Austin. And I sat with him and John Wolfe. And we really had, you know, like three plus hours to kill just going down the rabbit hole on everything from training to fasting to supplements and nootropics to, um, you I know, plant, First plant medicines. Sight. Yeah. we. I mean, it was really, it was really awesome. And he, you know, he offered me a job. He said, I got a spot for you here and on it. And everything ended up working out, um, with that. Uh, you have to go through like an interview process or anything like that or. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he wanted to interview me. He also wanted to, you know when i got there he didn't want a target to me on my back he didn't want me walking around like i was hot shit taking over and um he he really coached me on how mm-hmm. to how to come into that situation cuz i didn't have a ton that was my first fucking desk job ever you know and um not that i walk around like i'm hot shit on a daily anyways but right. like there were, it
0: made a lot of sense looking back you know right. um well yeah you don't want the people that have been working there for quite some time to be thinking like this new guy is going to come in shouting orders they don't know your background they don't know if you had a previous desk job or if you're an executive somewhere they don't really know right yeah well and i'm not a doctor
1: so you know to to know the things that i know people are like how do you know all this shit well i mean I've, i'm fascinated by it that's really you what too, drives bitch. me to learn <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's like i got my black belt but um you know especially when it comes to to diet nutrition health and wellness and supplements for that matter it's a it's been a passion of mine since i've been young yeah. you know so uh you know, the same goes for, for a guy like Paul check, Paul check quit school, I think as a freshman, mm. same with Einstein, he's in good company, Yeah. but you know, he's one of the most educated, well-thought, well-spoken people I've ever met in my life. And that's because he didn't fit into the school system, but he was hungry and he's right. still hungry to learn,
0: you know, and, and I, I like to keep that hunger he's inside He's changed me. a lot. Yeah. Big time. You know, he was, uh, so much of what came from him was he was talking about lifting quite a bit and, and bracing yourself. And obviously he still practices all those things. Um, and he still teaches and coaches some of those things, but now he's like totally transitioned he's almost like a Shaolin monk or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's, 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 he's definitely warrior and, and uh, spiritual gangster all at the same time. You yeah. went and hung out with him. He's down in, he's still in San Diego. Is that yeah. Right? Yeah. We get to hang out. Aubrey came out there. My wife, Dr. Dan Engel, and, uh, we did some stone stacking and different meditation and a lot of cool things. Uh, he taught me a lot. You
0: know, he, he's con- still continues to this day to teach me a lot. I just saw him out in Sedona last mm. week. Isn't it, isn't it cool to learn all these things? I mean, things that you would immediately rule out years ago. Like if, uh, your elbow hurt, right? If I was like, oh, take off your shoes. I'm gonna work on your foot. N- nowadays, he wouldn't be like, this fucking guy's an idiot. What's he taught My, el- I told him my elbow hurts. Why is he working on my foot? But now, you know, we're seeing with guys like Paul, I mean, this is a weird example, but we're seeing with guys like Paul Check, and we're seeing with some of these people that do body work, some of these people that believe in uh, spiritual uh, aspects of uh, training and healing the body, uh, we're starting to see more and more people being more open-minded towards yeah there's a possibility everything's connected so who knows maybe there is something in my foot that's messing up my elbow look
1: no further than when poliquin came in here and dug that 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 uh pen right into your index finger you could open up and get behind a squat bar yeah right? that still boggles my mind yeah and that's just something i mean the problem i think the issue is for people especially you know guys that listen guys and girls that listen to your podcast and the on It podcast there is an issue when you explain it to fucking woo woo Mm. right and if you just say like listen it's all the fascial lines are connected the nervous system can, is connected and if i can hit your index finger it's going to open all that up and then you're like all right well let's give it a go and then, <laughs> yeah. and then it works And you're like oh shit all right yeah i guess you know something and poloquin obviously knows a lot too he's one of the guys that's yeah strength sensei he's he's definitely in the category of of elite um coaches when it when it comes to all the things and the way everything is tied together he knows a lot more than most people right. but i think that the proofs in the pudding. And if you give them something that's usable, that's really, that's all that needs to matter really. Does it work
0: or not? You know, from a a supplement perspective, uh, not just, uh, you know, the style of supplements from something like the on it or from on it, but, uh, more like, um, I guess just, uh, like herbs and some different things you have access to. Uh, have you noticed anything making like a a big difference in, in training and recovery? Um, I guess, more along the lines of like vitamins, uh, apple cider vinegar, like just things of that nature.
1: Yeah. That's loaded too. Uh, well, first let me just say, you know, I work in product development. I guess that's the, if I have two babies that on it, one's the podcast and one's product development Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we're working on new supplements, but I can't tell you anything that we're going supplements all
0: the time, right? Yeah.
1: So like, that's something that's ongoing. Um, we've got a couple that are getting ready to come to market right now, but I can't mention them, what they are, what they do pre or post or any other time like that because they can't give away the good news. They're top secret. Top secret (laughs) shit, right? So that's, that's unfortunate, but, um, you know, everything works for the right people, right? Mm -hmm. And now I can talk about apple cider vinegar. If you're getting sick, there's two things that are, three things I recommend. Apple cider vinegar, first thing in the morning, empty stomach, take a full shot glass full, tall glass of the sea salt water with lemon to chase it down. Uh, black cumin seed oil, black seed oil. It's phenomenal and uh, oil of oregano. Hit those three things, you're going to knock it out. But really, that comes down to why did you get sick in the first place? Yeah, yeah. It's not from the little kid at the supermarket who sneezed on you. It's right. because you ran yourself into the fucking ground. You're likely overtraining, right. under sleeping, eating the wrong foods, overstressed from the job, from the wife, from whatever, fill in the blank. It's all stress. All right. stress. is not, not compartmentalized. The body doesn't categorize boss stress, wife stress, food stress. It's all one stress in the body. And your immune system it really takes a hit from that, you know? So when, when stuff's going around, it's, it's without much more important. You take care of yourself. You go to bed on time, you eat the right food, you stay hydrated. You don't overdo the training
0: or overdo the work or overdo anything. You have a lot of different ways of, of mitigating stress and, and of just trying to optimize your body. What are some uh, ways that you, uh, like to start out your day?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I like to do breath of fire, which is fairly simple. Um, it's about, you know, your stomach's half full of air, and it's just really quick exhales. Uh, some people do the really quick exhale-inhale, which I like to focus on. Some people focus on just the exhale and let the air come back in naturally, but it sounds kind of like, let me, let me, don't snot on this really nice microphone, mm-hmm.
0: but. Almost so you like hit you're that, hyperventilating, huh? Yeah,
1: three to five minutes, then uh, hold on the exhale, hold on an inhale. You can do a second round if you want, but. That's really cool because it'll, it'll energize you when you want the energy. It'll also de-stress the body if you're really stressed out and you want to relax. So, I mean, a lot of the things that I'm looking at now are time sensitive. You know, we were, I think we were talking before the show about people don't want to devote an hour to meditation and that's fine, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you give them a piece of it and they feel different, then maybe they will start to, to want more, you know, so, you know, telling somebody to go for a 10 minute walk each day and in nature, they feel better from that. And then, okay, maybe I can make that a 20 or a 30 and maybe I can go for a jog now. And then maybe I can lift
0: weights a couple days a week. You know, it's so hard to tell people like, Hey, this, you know, uh, like it's hard to sit somebody down and say, um, Hey man, I got a really long story to tell you, you know, (laughs) about nutrition and about health. And it's going to take me about 365 days or so to explain most of it to you. And then we still won't even be halfway through anything. It's really difficult to even sometimes recommend something, you know? So like, I'll say, you know, do a 10 minute walk. I'd really like to see people do like three every day. But if I start out by telling you three, you'll probably do zero. Yeah. And so it's like, you need to give people stuff uh, that they can actually practice. And I think something that uh, has occurred to me more recently, it's, the things that were there's abstaining from certain things is probably almost more powerful than the things that we actually do sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to food, I feel that way because sometimes you'll talk to someone who's a vegan and they swear up and down that they feel great and they might be in great shape. They might perform well. Uh, So in some, in some respects they may be correct. And you have someone over here Mm -hmm. who's on the carnivore diet. And they're saying, they're saying the same thing. They feel great. They're performing great. Um, and, and they're doing really well, uh, in a lot of aspects of their life and they're, they feel healthy, right? What I think is the common denominator there is that it's what they're, it's what they're avoiding. Not so much what they're eating. Now, what they're eating obviously provides a certain level of nutrition, Uh, but I think in today's world, avoiding shit is, is, is more of the key. Avoiding, uh, getting into that habit of, uh, checking your phone too often, avoiding that habit of having that be the first thing that you do in the morning rather than kiss your wife. You know, I, I just think that there's, there's things that if we were more conscious and we were just paying attention a little bit more, we could be that much healthier and that much further ahead.
1: Yeah. It's massive. I mean, it's all refinement, right? And that's something that you touched on is like, it's not necessarily that I'm going to add it. So many people have this idea with supplements too. And I do the Facebook lives every other week through on it. And we get so many questions on if I'm going to take one on it supplement, what should be, or what's the best on it supplement, or what's the best vitamin mineral, or what's the best this or that. And it's like, you're, you're, that's like, we were talking about that's being in the state of searching and wanting like this thing I need to be healthy, this thing that I need to be my best self. And it's more about refining. You know, you you remove the shit that's messing you up Is there's, you know, there's no fucking nootropic on earth that will fix poor sleep or a shit diet. You know, those things will mess with cognitive function far more than any nootropic lifts you, you know, but if you get those dialed in and then you want the nootropic for the podcast or for the big interview or the presentation or the big game, like, yeah, there's a time and a place for those things. And, and really prioritizing what's most important, you know, if you were, have A little bit of time to reflect on what's going on in your life and say, hey, you know, I'm doing really well in these areas, but I need to work on this. Work on the thing, you know, elevate that to the top of the list, make that a priority, and then start to refine that. You know, remove the things that are no longer serving you. That's the important piece, you know. And then from there, if you want to add in a thing or two, that that that's important too. But really, it's about taking away the things that are hindering you.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of there's. I mean, even just uh, we were talking earlier about sugar. And Mm -hmm. there's obviously some benefits to sugar. You know, it's not all bad. And and if you listen to somebody like, have you ever listened to Ray Pete? No. If you listen to somebody like Ray Pete, Ray Pete says the, almost the exact opposite of what everybody else says. Now you got to keep in mind, Dr. Atkins, who came along in in about the the 60s, 70s, he did the same thing. He came along and spoke the exact opposite of what everybody else said. Ray Pete has said that they have cured... (laughs) And this, I'm just going off what he said, uh, but he has said that they have cured diabetes and they have cured things with starches and with carbohydrates in the past. And I don't know exact. I never heard him actually elaborate on that, but there's, there's a lot of different, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of different ways to get up that mountain, right? There's a lot of different ways to, to, to get the same result. But if we're not, we know that if we're not sleeping and we know that if we continue to make bad food choices, it's going to end up leading to something shitty for us. And I, the, the, the podcast that Joe Rogan did with uh, Michael Walker talking about the dreams and talking about memory and talking about the importance of sleep. That was just, uh, mind boggling. I mean, really the, the information that was on there and the percentages that he was giving out of how detrimental it is to, uh, even miss a night of sleep was just fucking crazy. Yeah.
1: It would be, what blew my mind too. And I think Rogan's was, uh, and I'm about three quarters of the way through his book. Why we sleep. I think it's, probably the most important book I've read in the last five years um, is that there's a physical performance decline, not just in balance and things that you might, proprioception, things that you might figure like, I, you know, all right, I'm a little shaky today. Nervous system's a little fried, but also endurance in strength, in, in everything. It it matters. Memory, uh, creativity,
0: problem solving. It all has to do with sleep yeah, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, even missing, a, uh, missing a night of sleep can affect your insulin sensitivity. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's another thing, you know, getting back to this, there's so many genetic factors
1: that come in and that guy could be right on starches, fixing diabetes, because you take somebody off a standard American diet, which is garbage. And you start giving them sweet potatoes and yams. Like, yeah, you're going to see benefit there. Uh, I think a lot of people, if you have type two diabetes would do great on a ketogenic diet, but there's, there's, there's so much more. Into that, you know, like, do you right. have ancestors from the Northern hemisphere that are close to the poles right. or do you have ancestors that are close to the equator? That all plays a factor, right? right. And if
0: we don't um, know that, the only way that we can really find some answers is to experiment. Exp- just, <coughs> just try some different stuff. Yeah. Genetic testing will be
1: there eventually, not quite there yet. So don't think your Ancestry.com yeah. is going to tell you what foods to eat accurately. Um, but yeah, you know, experiment, play, and then have that idea, like what is this doing for me? Do I feel better? And give it an honest go. You know, right. like I have so many people write me and I'm sure the same with you, like, Oh, I did this keto diet for eight days and I feel like shit. Like, Oh, you're, you're, you're almost there. Keep going. <laughs> you know, you want eight weeks, you know? Right. Uh, a guy wrote me, a guy wrote me on social media saying, uh, I tried to, I tried meditation, uh, for a day and I didn't feel anything what am I doing wrong and I was like oh that's and the part of me would be like are you fucking serious you tried yeah, it yeah, once yeah, yeah
0: you know but then the other part of me was like oh, this guy's asking the question it's you know pretty, like let, let me get like, we talked about early perspective like yeah. that guy's new let's yeah. not bark at him yeah. it's not going to be positive let me give him. you yeah, yeah
1: exactly it solves nothing to uh, chew his ass for trying it once and not getting it
0: like it took I've me years uh, to figure it out but I've had people ask me um uh, back when the bench shirts and stuff were more more popular uh i'd have newer lifters it'd be their first time in a bench shirt and they'd go man like i was handling more weight today like ever get <laughs> i mean i swear to god i just wanted to knock them the fuck out right there on the spot they'd just be rubbing their forearm be like you ever get pain in your forearms from like you know, handling heavier weight in the bench shirt. I'm just thinking, dude, like I fucking handled 900 pounds for six weeks in a row. What the fuck do you think? You know, our <laughs> uh, bones are shifting and cracking as we're, you know, as, as I'm going through the movement. But, it, but it, you know, people don't know. They don't know. Uh, they don't know what they haven't tried and they certainly don't know what they haven't learned yet.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, the, the, the point is just give it an honest go. You know, don't stick your feet in the shallow and say, Hey, the water, I didn't like the water, you know, like dive in, spend right. some time in the water, get comfortable, get used to it, learn how to tread, learn how to swim, then come back out, you know, and, and I'm not a, a guy that's, I mean, I love the keto diet. I'm not a guy that thinks you should be on it year round. Like carbohydrates are seasonally available Wait, to, to many people Wait, on earth. You should
0: maybe switch things
1: up. Here I think there? metabolic flexibility is the key, right? Sounds and there's, ridiculous. there's
0: certainly, uh, you know,
1: there's a lot with, um, I think it's, uh, Louis Senior, you know, targeted mm-hmm. keto. Yeah. If you know, people are, it's not this black and white thing. You know, everybody's talking about a lot of CrossFitters, MMA guys, people that are in a high intensity intervals that need the glycolytic system to run. Right. You know, it, you can do some, a little bit of carbohydrate timing for the workouts and get away with that and still produce ketones, you know, nutritionally, right. not with just only exogenous ketones
0: and MCTs, but carbohydrate timing and di- playing with different things like that. Unfortunately, the word keto is, uh. It's you know the, the medical I mean, in terms of medical uh, what they're talking about is using being usually you have a reading of over 0.5 millimolars of ketones for in your system, ketosis, right? Yeah. Which already even just that that one statement already gets way too scientific for people, and I I think that my experience has been that uh, at least in 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 what my goals have been. And you know, I always think it's, it's important to say, to say what desired result have I been looking for? And for me, for now, it's been losing weight and it's not performance. Um, I don't feel that any time during this last year or so that I've lost, you know, 70 pounds, I don't think it's ever really been that important to actually be in ketosis. I don't think it's really made a huge difference now uh if i was to really sit down and and think about it and think about like mental clarity and there could be a couple things maybe energy was a you know tiny bit better when i was actually producing you know a uh, 1.0 amount of uh, ketones or whatever it was uh but in general again abstaining from excess amounts of carbohydrates, getting rid of carbohydrates and not even caring. Like if something has eight grams of carbs, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I fucking work out. I work out every day as hard as I possibly can. So I'm not concerned about a little tic-tac of, of some carbohydrates here and there. Um, even eating something like a perfect foods bar, which has like 20 grams of sugar. I don't mind throwing something like that down because I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah, and I'm going to stay on the plan for a long period of time. So, even even now, as I adjusted to the diet, been on the diet much longer. Sweet potatoes, rice, fruit are thrown into the mix. Yeah, and I, it's it's important to have
1: to give yourself flexibility. But you know, as you're getting into that, like I'm sure when you were around that one millimolar range for ketones, right. You were probably dialed pretty tight, yeah. You know, and I think it's important for people first be starting strict. out yeah. get be strict for the first eight to twelve weeks, and then after that, play have some wiggle room, right. you know. And then also know what is your goal, the why, right? The why. If you're just in it to lose weight, and your pounds just keep coming off, and your muscles still there, and your strength's going up, that's cool. You can do it that way. If your goal is to heal the brain, or you're a child with you know drug resistant epilepsy, that's going to look way different for you, right? So there there's mm. a lot of
0: There's a lot of play when it comes to that, but. So you think it's important to get like locked in because like if you. To start for sure. Yeah. Usually what I recommend to people is I'll say, hey, you know what? For the first two weeks, let's just have you get used to the food. I don't care how much. I, I want you to actually eat a lot. I want you to not worry about the scale. I don't want you to fast because I don't think that right out of the gate, it's a good idea to go keto and to go all out in the gym like a fucking madman out of nowhere, right? One it, meal a day, 80% fat. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, a little it, bit hard. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It doesn't make sense to, to go to go crazy and to go all in like that. Uh, take, take it kind of one step at a time as you feel you're more comfortable with it, which sometimes takes a month, by the way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take three days or seven days. It takes a while. Once you get used to that, tighten shit up. Start to think about, Hmm. Maybe I should eat a little less food. Like maybe that eight egg omelet in the morning is a little, a little excess of food. Right. And start to cut back and start to make changes and start to make it more optimal as you go through it.
1: Yeah. That's just, that's the refinement, right? Maybe I don't need breakfast. Maybe I can just eat two or three times a day, but it's all between 12 and 8 PM. How asinine did this sound to you, uh, two years ago? I think two years ago I was into it, but yeah, like five years ago, yeah. asinine. Yeah. No question. There's, there's, there's no question.
0: Yeah. Kyle, it's going to make you healthier if you just don't eat. And here's, I get, your, here's your meal prep. Don't, I, don't I, prep and can, anything.
1: And I can get stronger. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the rub when you think about that stuff is, am I still getting the gains that I want? Am I still able to get stronger? Am I still able to move better? Am I still able to think, um, appropriately and, and, and be sharp, you know, when I need it, if that's right. all there, then the, I'm moving in the right direction. And it doesn't matter if that is switching to all starches or eliminating all starches and all carbohydrate, it doesn't matter. It's what's working for you, but you never know unless you give it a go. Have you ever had
0: any problems with food in terms of like, I don't know, like you, you, I think you've always been fairly thin. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had any problems where you just like, I don't know, you just love to eat like sweets or You know, you get- Like food addiction? Yeah, yeah. Well, you you know,
1: when I played played football at ASU, I was trying to gain weight. ASU, here we go. (laughs) You ready,
0: Andrew? I played the Coach, house stories all over again. Here we go.
1: House, from the sack. Oh, shit. (laughs) Get some pictures already. Where you at? Where you at, son? Yeah, where you (laughs) at, son? Yo, Grizz, two inches
0: deeper. (laughs) What the hell's wrong with that guy? Oh, he's He's the best.
1: He's a maniac. But yeah, you know, like I was trying to gain weight, and I didn't realize I was gluten intolerant, so I'd polish like two pizzas and a 12- pack of Krispy Kreme donuts at night. I mean, anything. I was eating McDonald's three days a week, you know, just fucking up my body from the inside yeah. out. And I was swole, but literally swole. I was swole from- Like from, swollen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like swollen, like my liver and kidneys aren't processing things correctly. Everything's just, I mean, a water weight through the roof. You weigh like 260?
0: 268, of my biggest going into senior year. And that balanced gotta, out to about 255. Andrew, you got to try to look at pictures. We got to try to find- it. I want to see what a bloated Kyle King's Just look on like. the bench. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's where the photos will be. I only can find half-naked photos, so I'm not upset. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah. that sounds pretty good. You <laughs> With got, him um, just... Does he have the ability to throw them up on the screen here? Oh, yeah. oh, there we go. That's the new shit. That's me yeah. getting into, into, into archery Dude, at you're Aubrey's so, house.
0: You're so fat that your stomach has lumps on it. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Almost looks like abs.
1: That's a, a rainbow Speedo that's uh, behind the fanny pack there. Nice. Did, did Aubrey
0: buy that for you? Is that a true story? <laughs> no, my wife bought it for me. She knows my style. Yeah shit she knows what's up yeah that's amazing that's a good photo i like that are you guys just chilling in his backyard or where you at
1: yeah he's got a sweet backyard volleyball court giant trampoline he's got a spot to throw axes and knives he's got a damn you know a little 20 yard setup for
0: for shooting bows and um it's it's a you know it's a beautiful house you know i i think the joe rogan podcast has had such a huge influence on so many people and i think uh you're just seeing more and more people, more and more men, I should say, not to exclude the ladies. Sorry. If I if you feel like I'm excluding you, but I think he's done a great job of, uh, having so many different, so many diverse people on the podcast. He's almost like reteaching men what it means to be men. And you know, like his, his, uh, his facility that you, that you go to, uh, you know, where he does his podcast. Now he's got a gym. It's the ultimate like man cave. He's got a spot for archery. He has that virtual hunting thing going on. He's got all these, uh, tools and all these types of things. And you're starting to see more and more of that. Aubrey Marcus seems to be of the same, uh, mindset. There seems to be, uh, something associated with, uh, some of this quote unquote manly stuff. Uh, and, and on the side, on the side of all that is just setting up fun shit. That's just games and stuff for you to like, um, pal around, I guess is the only, (laughs) it's the only way to really put it. You know, like that picture, that's a, that's a really cool picture. I mean, it's just a guy with a bow, right? But it's, it's you guys hanging out and having an experience. Yeah. The Speedo really adds to it, but it's, you guys having experiences together, which is just, it's just incredibly important. We can't, we can't be isolated. We can't be living by ourselves and it's no way to go through life. You mentioned when you were younger that you're angry. I'm sure just in general, you probably feel a lot fucking happier with your life now. even oh, though, no doubt. Even though getting the UFC was, remember we were talking earlier about uh, chasing down a thing and you said you wanted to be careful about like that actually being something because when you actually get there, it never is what you thought it was. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm in the UFC. Well, okay, well now you got to fight against the best fighters in the world. Good luck with that, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Well, And that's the same thing. You know, like you're chasing the belt,
1: you're chasing the belt and that's all good, but do you love doing it? Do you love what you're doing Mm. each day? And, you know, for a long time I did, you know, and then in the end with the amount of lumps I was taking for the sparse amount of pay I was getting and, and the fighter treatment and everything like that, it wasn't worth it anymore. But I mean, you look at that with anything in life. I mean, a lot of people listening to this are not professional fighters, and this applies to everyone. I think I am. Like, do you love <laughs> <I> <laughs> you, you had some decent moves in the jiu-jitsu, Matt. Yeah, it was fun. You just got to work on that quad flexibility. You had a oh, little bit of my... trouble getting underneath that Japanese table we got for dinner at the house. Wasn't
0: that terrible?
1: <laughs> that was brutal. But I feel like you now with this fucked up knee. I got I got limp down. I know. I what happened a, to the can't knee? Get what, a half
0: what, lotus. What's going on? Did Andrew Andrew uh, just put you in your place <laughs> when you walked in the door today? <laughs> <in? laughs> Sidekick to the knee. Hey, how like, you doing? I was like, hey, go check out the uh, the
2: target over there. You know, for archery set over here, and then yep, laced it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. fuck
1: me up. Sabotage. No, I got. I was doing jujitsu, and uh, who is this guy?
0: Uh, Was it pay this guy? a visit No, he's a good guy. He's I'm learning a (laughs) lot. And then then I just get totally fucked up. I'm like, hey man, you beat my buddy up. Then he just puts me in a fucking arm lock, and I I I got a broken arm, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those deals where I was I was rolling (laughs) with a guy. Oh, there we go. We got the video. You look thinner now than there. Still dropping the pounds. Yep. Yeah, that was a good day. (laughs) But I was I was rolling on those mats with the guy. Got put in a side knee bar and didn't tap because it didn't hurt, and my ego was was much bigger than than my knee joint, and so, um, you know, kept rolling that day, no issues. That night couldn't walk, mm. and uh, it just got worse and worse. So I got the MRI, torn meniscus. They say I won't need surgery, but we're gonna do stem cells and some cool shit. The so, wifey
0: just shaking her head at you, like just like, ugh. yeah,
1: <laughs> right, pretty much. She gave you that. But I
0: was I was so you know she's she gave you the look though. She's
1: bummed because she knows like. I love to fucking move. I yeah. love to do yoga, yeah, I, I love see. to train, I love to move and it's my outlet and I feel better when I move. I mm-hmm. feel better when I when I get the let out, you know? So not being able to do that, being somewhat handicapped, um I'm not the best version of myself because of that. Right. So that's that's been a hard thing to let go of and forgive myself for, but ultimately the lesson is in humility. Like it's very fucking humbling to have to sit on the bench for 3 to 6 months because I made a mistake an error in judgment and the error was my ego didn't want to tap to the smaller guy. Yeah. You know, and that's something you learn pretty quickly as a white belt. Uh some of those guys don't come back. The ones who do learn that, you know, and I got my black belt a couple years ago, but it had been a while since I was on the mat and some of that, you know, a little bit more fire than is necessary was there and um now I pay for that, right? You got to pay for that. So Uh, The payment will be uh, a few thousand dollars worth of stem cells and the time off, which is really the most trying piece of the equation, you know, but that is humbling. And now I've, that's my, my not so gentle reminder when I come back to, to remember tap early and often, and then you can get back on the mat and just have no, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. You know, like really just know, like it's okay. If I tap, I can get to roll
0: and try to tap the guy (laughs) next time. If I don't tap, I'm not going
1: to get to roll for months.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know these kind of things. Uh, I I always like to look at the parallels to life. You know, and sometimes you're overreaching, or or uh like you said, you kind of had an ego about it. You're like, I oh, doesn't hurt that bad, but you you knew you were in a compromising position, and you and you and you still didn't do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so, if you just look at that, like in your everyday life, there's. There's these kind of corners and opportunities we have in each and every day to to make the wrong move, which is clearly wrong and goes against uh, your moral code, goes against your values, maybe goes against the values of the company you work for. Or there's a a, a number of things just goes goes against the diet that you're on, you know, Uh, going to bed too late goes against the principle of you uh, convincing yourself that you need this eight hour or nine hour or whatever that amount of hour time slot is. We, we just consistently and constantly are talking ourselves out of doing things that we know are positive for ourselves. But I think when something like this happens, I think that's a reminder of like, hey, you know what? Let's get back down to the basics. Let's let's uh, almost reboot, restart. Uh, maybe at this t- period of time in your life, maybe maybe your diet is a little wishy-washy or maybe something else was going on. And so now that you're on the mend and you can't move, maybe it's like, all right, well tighten up the diet maybe i'll read more or whatever it is for your situation
1: yeah i get to meditate more i mean life will push pause for you at different times Mm. right and in that that's a time a great time for reflection it's a great time for refinement and to to really focus on the things i can do i can meditate i can hike still somewhat thankfully (laughs) right so i can get out in nature more uh there's positions where i can still play with my son i can sit on my ass with my legs spread and let them come tackle me. You know, there's a thousand things I can do. And those are the things that I will do while I'm recovering. How has that changed your life? Having a kid (laughs) insane, right? It's it's the, it's such a mind fuck. Like like, there's, there's no preparation, you know, and everyone tells you, you know, no instruction book. Sleep now. now. It's like, no bitch, it doesn't work that way. There's no sleep deposit I'm making for later. Um, I mean, he just turned three and it it still feels like I'm recovering from the sleep loss. You know? <laughs> like, like it really does. Yeah. And same
0: with my wife. But um,
1: yeah. You feel it's, some.
0: It's... You ever feel sometimes? Uh, I I I think every parent goes through this, especially people that are psychotic like ourselves. I think uh, you ever feel like sometimes you have conversations. And I know he's only three, but you ever feel like you have conversations, or sometimes you're uh, trying to shove him in, in, into a direction that's like too adult. You ever feel that way like dude i, I had you this sit cell. down and like i, I could was... <laughs> i could picture you having him like you know, this conversation with how, how he needs to be enlightened how he needs to open up and like, like so i would
1: i you know we will we will sit him in his room and i'll lecture him cuz i recall that being worse than my father spanking me when oh, he would yeah. say stand here at the edge of the bed and he would talk to my sister and i for 45 fucking minutes and I'd be like, can you just spank me and get it over with? Like, And I'm standing in place. And you know how hard it is for a kid to stand in place for like 45 minutes. I mean, brutal, right? So I try to mimic that with him, knowing that was the worst punishment that I'd get. And um, what I realized, obviously, he just turned three. He would repeat the same words back to me. So like, Bear, we don't hit mommy in the face. And he would just look at me and he'd say, Bear, we don't hit mommy in the face. You know, and literally just repeat whatever I was saying because he knew the... F- as fast, he just learned this, as fast as he would repeat what I said, he would get to go out of the room again. Uh, And I was like, damn, he's not even comprehending what I'm saying. He's literally just figured out that if he repeats back to me what I say, he'll get to get out of the room quicker. uh, This kid's a genius. Yeah. And then I'd be like, Bear, do you understand what I'm saying right now? Do you understand what I'm saying right now? Right back to me. And I'm like, fuck, it's not working. So
0: yeah, I mean, it's, he's my greatest teacher. There's no doubt. I did that so much with my son. I would, I would ask him, and this is as he got older. It wasn't when he was, he wasn't three. He was probably more like six and eight and even 10. And we don't have those conversations anymore because he's, he's 14 and he's, he's doing really well. But, you know, I remember when I was asking him, like, does this make sense to you? Do you understand why you're in trouble? You understand, like, I I don't want to yell. I don't want this house to really, I don't want this house to be like that at all. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even think it helps for me to like yell at you across the room. Like I need to, I'd rather have a conversation with you, uh, rather than yell and scream at you or have your mom get all upset and have everybody's blood pressure go up and everybody all pissed off, which I just don't think is a great way to, uh, to live, you know? And so I try to explain all these things to him. I try to explain what I thought, you know, he did wrong or whatever. And he just, I'd be like, you understand? And he'd say, no. And I, you know, I'd go through, I'd go through it again. And I try to go from a different angle. What I learned from that was, I mean, sometimes he's doing it just to be a dick, right? Mm -hmm. Like just some, you're, sometimes your kid, you're just, you know, you're just trying to push your parents' buttons. You're trying to force the issue a little bit. But I learned from that was reprimanding him or, or however you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it worked a lot better if I did it later. So if I said, Hey, you know, you got to go to your room. Well, if I, I just sent him to his room and then if I immediately went into his room and tried to talk to him about it, it didn't work. But if I just gave it some time, if I gave it like an hour or two and then talked to him about it at that time, hey, you can't hit your sister. You understand you can't hit your sister, right? You're not supposed to, why aren't you supposed to hit your sister? And then he'd say, because you you, you told me not to hit girls, you know, and it's stuff, stuff like that. And then it would seem to sink in a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And that works for arguments with the wife.
1: That works for anything, really. You take <laughs> right. take the break, let the emotions calm down and then come back to communicate in a space where you're not you know on the razor's edge of your emotions you know like just being able to settle down for a minute yeah. and that's really where some of the tools like breath work or just you know calming the mind in nature going for a quick walk to shift things and think about it and really fine tune what is the best way to communicate this right you know that small
0: moment of reflection allows you to fine tune and come back from a better place. We're plowing through a lot of stuff here. Let's let's go back for a second here and just talk about keto. Uh, let's talk about, you know, what is a ketogenic diet? I know we repeat that a million times on this show, but I always like to pretend this is the first time somebody's watching this show. We're here with Kyle Kingsbury, former UFC fighter. Um, why have you chosen to utilize the ketogenic diet? Um, and, uh, you know, what spawned your interest of it? I think I first heard Do- Dominic D'Agostino on the Tim Ferriss show, and Dr. Peter Tia
1: both talking about it on Ferris. Those Guys are both great. They're savages, you know. They they have a wealth of knowledge, and um, you know, really, what intrigued me was the the cognitive function. You know, the- these these supposed claims that it could help you think more clearly, retain more information, and lower systemic inflammation. And you know, coming out of fighting in 2014, knowing I had taken my lumps, I've had my left eye. Blown out twice, left eyebrow mm. fractured, jaw broken in two places, among all the other body injuries. You still but just great. Just my head. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You know, all those things played a factor, but really it was, um, it was about the brain, you know? And I think giving it a real go the first time, the first time I really got into nutritional ketosis, I just, I could retain everything. I mean, mm. I was flying through books, still, still reading, but at a much faster pace and really able to retain the information. That was the telltale sign that drew me in and made me want to learn more. And, um, you know, type two diabetes runs on my mom's side of the family, type three diabetes, Alzheimer's runs on my father's side. And, uh, you know, reading grain brain from Dr. David Perlmutter helped yeah. cement that, you know, really the, the chronic elevation of blood sugar and how it contributes to a myriad of diseases. Uh, yeah. and that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me to want to continue to learn about it and really fine tune what works. Uh, since that point, you know, getting back into jujitsu and and high intensity intervals and, you know, powerlifting with Jesse Burdick, things like that. There has been a time and a place where I needed carbohydrates for performance. And I think what's beautiful now in books like the the Keto Reset Diet by Mark Sisson and the Ketogenic Bible, there's a place for targeted keto. There's a place for carb cycling or carbohydrate backloading. And, um, certainly after you become keto adapted, where your body's able to produce its own ketones, at a, at a high enough level where you can feel it, um, that's been, that's been excellent because I can, you know, for lack of a better term, have my cake and eat it too. You know, I can have my, my, my natural production of ketones going. Right. I can boost that with MCT oil or exogenous ketones. And then when it's necessary, you know, on a max effort day or a hard day on the mats, I can have a little bit of carbohydrates in moderation to help Mm -hmm. sustain that practice where I can have the tool fuel systems burning, you know, do you, uh,
0: do you occasionally just not diet?
1: Yeah, uh, when I'm on vacation, you know, I was just out in Sedona and I I didn't eat like shit. I don't like going completely off the wagon because makes you feel it makes you not feel all, great. All the old injuries resurface. <laughs> that's the deal. Like <laughs> Everything
0: starts to hurt. huh? Knee
1: pain comes back. Neck pain comes back. I can't think for shit. I mean, just fucking brain fog, like you wouldn't believe. And I feel, you know, like I'm I'm definitely my worst. There we go. There's that's uh 2012 in Nottingham.
0: Damn your Jimmy, eyes, Jimmy
1: Manawa. Shut my eye, and uh, that's going into the third round. They stopped the fight. Thankfully, I wanted to continue, but um, that's just the dumb fighter in me wanted to continue. It was smart because that thing was crushed. That was uh, so you can see the eyebrow right there in
0: the eyebrow. Uh, what are we talking about? Recovery from something like that? Three months?
1: Uh, I think they do a six month suspension. Mm. Um, but, you know, it it heals up
0: fairly quick. I mean, when you're in that takes kind of like, shape and everything, it takes like 10, 12 days though for it to, it's that swelling to come out. For, oh you know, yeah. To feel yeah. better. Right. Yeah. It was funny too. Cause you know, the
1: British were so proper and we had three days in London after that fight, but <laughs> everyone fucking stares. It's, I had an old guy just stop and point. On my like, face oh my God. and i turned around and i was dying laughing i was like i was elbowing Natasha's shoes there with me i'm like
0: fucking look, look dude the guy's pointing at my face like right in front of me <laughs> it's like like you saw quasimodo in That's real life great. does any of that stuff when you look back does it almost kind of uh like frighten you scare you a little bit like like damn dude like i did some i did some crazy
1: shit i did you know it's funny I i don't often look back on those things but The first year when I retired, I really still had the itch, you know, and didn't, I went out losing four fights in a row. Mm. Nobody wants to fucking go out that way. You know, I've thought about coming back and, uh, what it would take to do that. And every time I- UFC is
0: tough, man. You can lose any fight. I mean- uh,
1: Yeah, you really can. (laughs) And that was kind of the, the, the real deal with that was like, I was, you know, when I lost to Glover to Shara, it was like, you know, I knew how good he was. He went on to fight for the title and lost to Jones and, um, you know, still in the top five, phenomenal dude. Like, I, all right, I can I can say yes to that. And yeah, Jimmy Manawa's in the top ten now, and different things like that. But you know, you lose to other guys that are just that are just better than you at something. You know, Patrick Cummins, he's not in the top ten, but he's he might beat me ninety nine times out of a hundred. Yeah, you know, he's a he's a fucking division one all American wrestler. Demoralizing. Like it might be, yeah, that might just happen. Every time we fight, he just takes me down and beats the fuck out of me. So like there's, and knowing he's not even in the top 10 and, and making shit money and all those things, it's like, maybe I don't come back. But anytime I wanted to come back, I'd pull up that photo. I would look at the Nottingham fight mm-hmm. and be like, nah, it's not <laughs> worth it. <laughs> that, knowing that can happen and knowing if someone's hitting me hard enough to break bones in my face, that's hurting my brain. There's
0: long-term damage. There's yeah. long-term
1: repercussions for it's, that.
0: It's hard to accept, you know, like if we were... If we were given, uh, you know, sheets that had math on it, like 20 questions. Right. And and we, and we were to time it and, and, uh, I mean, it's easier to accept like, all right, well, I don't know. Maybe Kyle's is better at math than me. I just, you know, right. I, I'd be able to kind of just, but if we go to shoot hoops or something, or we go to, you go to fight, especially fighting, you know, fight. And then especially the amount of training that goes into it. It's almost like hard to comprehend. You're like, how? how is this guy better than me? Like, you almost want to think he got lucky or, Hey, if I didn't go for that leg and if he didn't knee me at that moment, you know, this, these other five things want to happen. Yeah. Right? There's, there's certainly fights. So frustrating, with, there's, right? cer-
1: there's certainly fights that are more in, in line with that. Like if I just didn't do this one thing or like, you know, man, <laughs> Kicked me in the face square when the shin, and it's like if I didn't think he was kicking me in the gut and lower my hands to protect my gut, I wouldn't have been kicked square across the eyes. You watch it in slow motion; <laughs> it makes so much sense, right? <laughs> it does, you know. But but that's the deal. And ultimately, you have to accept those things and learn from them and move on to get better. You know. I think um, uh, what's the name's guy who owns uh, CSA? Uh, Kieran Fitzgibbons. Kieran, yeah, Kieran He wrote a, gr- a great post, I think, on um, uh, Joanna. Uh, yeah. after her last loss, you know, saying like, if you accept the loss that allows you to move forward, that allows you to make the changes necessary. If you mm-hmm. believe you shouldn't have lost, or you're making excuses on why it happened, that keeps you stuck in that position. Yeah. It doesn't allow you to grow, you know? So, I and like I think that. the same can be said for in life, you lose your job, you get fired. You look at the guy or the gal who's. Smoke, pay
0: attention to this part.
1: Never should have, <laughs> <laughs> never should have lost my job. That was bullshit. They fired me or blah, blah, blah. And you start making excuses. <laughs> That's not the kind of person that goes on to get a better job. The right. kind of person that goes on to get the better job accepts why they were fired, makes changes to themselves personally, right. and then learns from that experience to grow and become better moving forward. And then they get the better job moving forward. You know? So we have to accept some of these things and take ownership over that in order to really grow from it. And, that, and th- that's th- empowering, yeah. right? right? When we're responsible for our own fucking actions and our own outcome, that's empowering. Otherwise, you're the fucking victim. If you're always think, the uh, victim,
0: you're, you're disempowered. I don't think too many things reflect that better than fighting, because it's like it—it it is one-on-one, right? And it's, it's it's one-on-one fight, and you're uh, you're both accepting of the rules. You understand the rules, right? And hopefully the fight is uh, fought fair. But if you lost, you got to just be like, well, you know, it sucks, but the other person was better than me. Yeah, you know, and they, admit,
1: even if you just admit they were better that
0: day, that's okay too. Right? You know, he was the better man that day. That's okay too. We see it with lifting a lot. You know, somebody's like, ah, oh, you know, my my, my form broke down. It's like, well, your form broke down. Cause it's too heavy.
2: You need, you need to
0: use lighter weight. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I mean, I get my hips kicked back when I was coming out of the hole. Yeah. Yeah. Of course they did. Yeah. Cause you're, you're not strong enough. <laughs> I, I get a lot of, you know, people will send me, uh, messages with, with their lift and Hey, can you check this out? What do you think's wrong? And I'll just say almost every single time use less weight, you know, add a couple reps in there. Cause they're always sending me videos of them, you know, trying their maximum. and uh, that's not. We don't really train that way. You know, you know, with Jesse, like we, we are, we are scratching the surface of that sometimes. And every once in a while you want one that really kicks the shit out of you, but in general, we're not going, uh, 99 or even 95% that often when you fight, what's, what's the training like for that? I mean, uh, you, you can't really, you, know, you can't really fight.
1: Well, the right? tra- you know, it's, it's a weird deal. Uh, especially at AKA different you know, camps. I'm sure. Yeah. Different, different camps. Um, you know, the guys at the old... My X
0: ed- are really sore, by the way, Smokey.
1: Yeah, you you guys you bang out the... Look at that. You got I like a that. triple D, son. Damn. I don't even know what we were talking about just now.
0: Look at
1: that. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I, could, I could get in between that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I get, re- I remove could. the fanny pack. <laughs> I could get in there. Oh, I got excited. I really just lost my train of thought. Yeah, my fanny pack moved up a couple inches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> max effort. Oh, max effort. Yeah. So fighting back in the day, they used to... You know, they were actual fucking fights, you know, no headgear, you know, Vanderlei and Shogun at shoot a box. They would just go for it.
0: No, and no that, gloves. That fix, like that no, they'd have gloves oh, okay. on,
1: but and, and taped up, but yeah. and mouthpieces, but you know, AKA we'd, we'd spar three days a week. We'd have big gloves and headgear most of us, but we were going all out too. And if we weren't that, we weren't, we may not necessarily start that way, but by round two and round three, yeah, it's, it's a fight with big gloves. Yeah. Right. And you see that that's
0: not a sustainable practice, right? <laughs> You've got,
1: not just from a longevity standpoint. but uh, a...
0: as a, as a fan, it's cool to watch, you know, yeah. I've seen some of the training and stuff and just as a, as a fan of the sport, it's, you know, you're, you're watching them and there's like some pitter patter going, they're feeling each other out. And, uh, in, you only get to really see that in the practice mode. And you know, those two guys hang out all the time. Yeah. They see each other every day. Yeah. And, and then somebody starts going a little harder the other, and then and you see it escalate and you're like, oh shit, that's. That's what this pro fighting stuff looks like. Yeah. So it's all out example of it. But even from a
1: performance standpoint, that's not sustainable. Right. So those guys have learned, um, you know, to scale back, to go hard with the big gloves once a week, hard with the small or, you know, lighter, but more technical with the small gloves once a week and really have, you know, variety in the training and guaranteed rest days and a lot more recovery and body work and different things that we were talking about. All these tools that help get you back on the mat faster, Mm. right? So all of those things, the education of MMA because it's young is coming up. And as we see that, people treat this more like you would an NFL player. You know, like when does an NFL player play like they do on game day? Only on fucking game day. (laughs) There is no practice during the week where they go fucking all out. There is none. They might have drills and different things where, you know, they're going to go hard, but game day is game day, right? right? And I think in fighting... It's a little different because you want to, you know, as people are coming up in the game, you want to weed out the people that can't take that before they get in there, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's just a lot of old school mentality when it comes to that. But if you look at boxing with the great boxers, you know, like I was talking to Howard Davis Jr. before he passed, who was an Olympic gold medalist. He might spar a few times in a training camp all out. But most of it was was working on the technical side, getting in shape, and then seeing stuff coming at him. Working on his defense, working on footwork, and all the other variables that go into the mm. to the fight. It wasn't that I'm gonna f- fucking make sure I'm tough enough. Like you <laughs> right. fucking knew that, right? And I think as MMA progresses, you'll know. Like Kane's tough enough. He doesn't need to go all right. out during training camp. He needs to focus on his cardio and his technique and whatever the game plan
0: is, and work around that. So, yeah, it seemed like in. Uh just uh from an outsider looking in, with with the training that goes into boxing, it seems like a lot of those guys are a little less likely to overtrain. It seems like the old school mentality of, of wrestling, especially collegiate style wrestling, and just having a lot of friends that, that wrestle in high school and stuff, seem like they they really like 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 to overdo it. It's almost uh like that's, a badge
1: that's, that's kind of a part of the culture too a though. Magic badge you know? of courage. I think anyone that's wrestled in high school had a coach that said, We're gonna be you know, we might lose on technique, but we're not going to lose. Cause we got tired. We're going to be the most conditioned team in this state. You that's know, right. like, like anybody who's ever wrestled high school, like, yeah, my coach said that, you know, like that, that's, that's kind of the deal. Right. So that's impregnated in, into the culture. Um, but it's, re- and, and a lot of collegiate wrestlers have gone through that too. You know, I'm good buddies with Kane and Bader and CB Dalloway and those guys. And, and, uh, that was certainly the case for them in college. Mm. So. You know, train until you're throwing up multiple <laughs> times through the through the
0: through the training, and it's uh, you probably do need that here and there, though, right? I mean, you need to yeah, so you need something, in, right? I think in
1: Hell Week, you know, to see who's in shape, to see who wants to be mm-hmm. on the team, those kind of things. It's there, but that's more the weeding out process. That's not preparation, right? Right. Um, and you know, just looking, I mean, everything's getting smarter. That's all there is, and I think the, one of the reasons boxing doesn't have that as as often still. There's overtraining in any sport, but. Yeah, I think the, perhaps the reason boxing doesn't have that is because it's just been around longer. Yeah. You know, they've been able to fine tune, they've learned from their mistakes and they know like, this is how we can peak for the fight. They use a lot of drills
0: and they, and a lot of running, right? It's just like, go run. Yeah. Baseline aerobics is something people forget about. You don't see that as much in MMA Mm -hmm. or you don't hear about it as much. Like they, I always see, like, I see videos of them training in the gym, uh, with weights, um, obviously you see jujitsu being practiced and, uh, Muay Thai and all these different things, but you don't really see a lot of like running. Although you think back to those old images of like Tyson, yeah. he was always doing road work. Kane, Kane does it, you know, DC does it. There's a lot of guys that do it. Uh, a lot of guys at Jackson's
1: camp will go run hills at that altitude. Um, Do you do it much in your career? Yeah, there's an important piece of that equation. You can't leave aerobic capacity off the table. I think you were talking about this with Dr. Andy Galpin, Mm -hmm. you know, like how much that influences not only your performance, how you can resettle the heart rate, resettle your breath work in between sets when you're lifting weights, but also your recovery process. If your aerobic capacity is better, you're not dipping into anaerobic as quickly, right? So you're, you're kind of postponing that anaerobic dip where you're really working on lactate threshold and things like that because you've built an aerobic base. That's important in all things. The issue with MMA is there's so many damn things to learn. Yeah. You got your Muay Thai coach pulling you one way, wrestling, jujitsu, put the gi on, okay, no gi, and whatever the case is, sparring, then a strength coach telling you to lift weights and high intensity intervals, right? All very important. All There's a reason for all those things, but... That nice, easy distance run is still an important piece, too. It's just maybe not as necessary. It's not
0: something where you got to get your mileage up because you're not running fucking distance when you're fighting. Do you sometimes miss uh, pushing yourself to that level, or are there things that you still do today that, that push you? Maybe, maybe just uh, working for Aubrey. Maybe there's some things that you challenge yourself with to try to get done or, or something that's similar to yeah, when I, you used to fight. I don't crave
1: pushing myself in the office the way I do pushing myself right. physically. Right. There's no itch to I scratch gotta there. I got to get that
0: spreadsheet <laughs> done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All these tasks on Asana built up. There's, there's something with, um, you know, there's, uh, add on it specifically there, uh, it's feast and famine. You know, like when we had paleo effects, I, I had three talks on the first day of paleo effects five podcasts in the week leading up to it, five podcasts in the week leading after that, and then a few more after that before making it out to Sedona. Great deal of activity. Yeah. There was a fuck ton of work in a two week span. It was mind blowing. And now I kind of get to unplug and chill out with you and my family out here in the Bay area. And it's nice to unwind before I head back and and restart that process. Right. But in terms of the body, you know, where I want to push myself now is in things that, that kind of have this two pronged approach to performance and longevity. So I've been pushing two myself. Two prong. Talking about dildos, two-pronged, right? Two prong, right? Yeah, <laughs> both holes. Uh, I'm going. I'm going for cold. You know, so I, I got you know Kelly Starette and um, Matt Vincent, our buddies, there telling me about building that standalone chest freezer you fill with water, add yeah. some salt. So I got a rig like that in the garage. What a bunch of fucking lunatics! It is. It is. <laughs> but it's it's amazing. So we'll drop that down to like 35 degrees, and I'll see if I can do five minutes and 35. If it's in the thirties, I'll shoot for five. If it's in the forties, I'll shoot for 10. If it's in the fifties, I'll shoot for 15 to 20. And, and I don't always get it. That's the thing. You just submerge yourself all the way in. Like I'm that. up to, I'm up to my chin in the water. In 30 degree. It's 22 cubic feet. People ask about this. Got it at homedepot.com. Free shipping. Yeah. It's about 550 bucks. Hmm. Um, you got to change the water out every month or so. And, uh, I'll sit in that to my chin. And then when I'm getting ready to get out, I'll dunk, hold my breath as long as I can in the water and get out. And, uh, that's one of those things where you have to slow your breathing down. People think like, oh, it's Wim Hof. I'm going to get in there, huff and puff. And the more you breathe, the faster you breathe, the more that water moves around, the colder you get. Right. Yeah. And that's not the goal to panic breathe in the face of adversity. The goal is to slow it down. And if I can breathe into that parasympathetic rest and digest space we were talking about earlier in the face of stress, because your body thinks it's dying. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's something I try to illustrate to people you can do goblet squats with a kettlebell and get some gains, but if you really want to build muscle, do some back squats with a right. barbell, right? Your body is concerned it will die <laughs> if it can't stand up with that weight. So <laughs> right. it has the greatest physiological adaptation because of that, right. right? Same thing with the cold. If I go in a 60 degree pool and I stay in for an hour, it's going to have some benefit to me. There's no doubt from a fat burning perspective to shift in dopamine and neurotransmitters, there's a response. But if it's, damn near freezing and I get in for three to five minutes, it's going to have a greater response. So working on all those variables and how I quiet the mind in that kind of adversity, that's shit that get extrapolated out into the real world. You know, when I'm comfortable in that discomfort, that parallels into everything in life, right? And that's why jujitsu is such a beautiful thing. You know, when I got Mark Bell sweating (laughs) on me, laying on me, huffing and puffing, (laughs) It's kind if of I gross. Can... You end up sweating right on top of each other. <laughs> right into my mouth.
0: Yeah. Drop a sweat. <laughs> if, yeah.
1: If I can feel comfortable with you on top of me, hey I can now. feel comfortable in traffic. I can feel comfortable getting yelled at. Right. You know, like that, that, that shit translates everywhere. It, it. It's really important that we are able to put ourselves in uncomfortable positions that strengthen us, not just the body, but the mind, the spirit, all of it. Why the fuck would you get yourself into that cold of water? What's it doing? It's doing a lot. Lowering systemic inflammation. We talked about dopamine, uh, going up, adrenaline goes up, there's an immune response, um, longevity purposes, you know, cold shock proteins. Some people call it heat shock proteins still, but uh, a lot of science coming out. Dr. Rhonda Patrick's been big on that. Mm. Wim Hof is being studied at Harvard now. A lot of science done in the Netherlands before, but you know, there's just so much more to it. And that's what I'm saying. When I talk two pronged, there's a performance aspect. It's going to help me burn fat and, and, you know, recover quicker from workouts, but the longevity aspect. You know, I, like I said, I'm not I'm not trying to live to 200, but I would like yeah. to live to 100 and healthy, right. right? And I think that's one of the ways we do that is with temperature extreme. And if I have an hour in the sauna or 10 minutes in the ice bath, I'm gonna choose choose the ice bath just because I want to be sensitive with my time. I want to understand like I'm. There's really, I don't even train for an hour anymore unless I'm doing jujitsu. Right. If I'm lifting weights, it's probably. I might be in the gym for an hour with mobility, warming up, cooling Gicking down. Around. Yeah, those kind of things. But but that's that's the whole thing. That's with 15 minutes of sauna, with the mobility, with opening up the body and warming up. That's a one hour door to door deal. You know, does a cold tub uh, help with recovery too? Just big muscle time. soreness, big time. Like that. You know, and there's some talk about timing. You know, people that are like, oh, can I can I lift weights and jump right in the cold? Because you know, if you piggyback the sauna, there's science now that's showing if you get in a sauna right after you lift weights because you're already hot. That it's, there's almost an EPO like response Mm. from the body. So you can kill two birds with one stone. That'll help you with, uh, doms, you know, getting in there with the muscle soreness, but it doesn't lower your training effect. Whereas cold, we know will lower the training effect. So if I get in a cold tub right before I lift or immediately after that will mitigate some of the work I put in the gym. So Mm. giving some space for that, you know, at least a few hours, I think is necessary, but you can do it on the same day. Just give yourself a few hour window to, to
0: come back to normal beforehand or after. Um, yeah, it's just, it's brutal to get into that cold of, uh, water. Is there any, any dangers to it? Yeah. Don't hold
1: your breath underwater for an extremely long time without a spotter. Right. You know, have somebody nearby, have someone nearby that's watching. Um, I certainly don't play with that, but there's something that's, that's, I mean, I don't play in terms of I'll do it, but I'm not trying to go for a record. You know, I don't have a stopwatch going, seeing how long I can go. It's really just about getting my core temperature to drop even further. So Mm -hmm. there's a greater, uh, training effect from it. Um, but the mammalian dive reflex allows us in cold water when we close our eyes and go under to actually stay under longer. Hmm. So some people have died doing that. Wow. You know, especially if you're doing uh, Wim Hof technique breathing prior and you can hold your breath longer, you black out under the water, you're going to fucking die. That's yeah, all there is done. to it. So you need someone there if you're going to try to push the envelope with that. And that's happened in free diving as well. Um, Not as common, I think, as, as people, you know, like, oh, I just learned the Wim Hof technique and I got myself a cold tub and nobody's here to watch me do this. That can be an issue. But, um, you know, I think you have a level of respect for anything you do in life. You know, if you're going to squat heavy, you got a guy, there supporting you. You got somebody there watching your back and spotting you and making sure that you're going to come up with the weight. No different. Right. What does a sauna do for you? Well, I think if you really want to dive deep, go into foundmyfitness.com where uh, Dr. Ronna Patrick has posted a, a shit ton of studies. Um, a lot of it has, you know, I think the coolest stuff that's coming out is the lowering of all-cause mortality. Like any way you can die outside of a car yeah. wreck, you know, like you know, whether that's uh, Alzheimer's or stroke or cancer, it's all those things get lowered. And the more often you do it, and the longer you do it, the better. So they're finding an hour a day, seven days a week is a 60% drop in all cause mortality. That's insane. And, you know, you can get, still get a 20% doing a few days a week, you know? So, I mean, when you look at benefits like that, you're seeing something where there's a cascade effect throughout the entire body and any possible way you can die outside of accident, mm.
0: there's going to be a benefit there. I think things like that are really important. Is it, um... It, the heat and the cold, are they working well because of like homeostasis? When you get out of the, of that environment, your body's trying to get back or, or is it the actual act of like being fucking freezing? Well, I think it's, I think it's, it's creating an adaptive response.
1: Like your body w- naturally, we had to deal with these stressors. You know, everyone can argue over what paleo man ate. If there was right, grains right. in the mix, how much carbohydrate was there, those kind of things. But, No one can argue that he didn't have a fucking refrigerator and he didn't have air conditioning, right? Like we go from the climate controlled house to the climate controlled car to the climate controlled office and back every single day. And we're at this beautiful 72 degrees year round. That's not what we're designed to do. We're designed to experience a cold winter and a hot summer, unless you're from the equator. Then you're dealing with heat consistently, right? right? So, but you're still dealing with heat. You're not in an air conditioned home. Yeah and you know on, on your or in your yacht or whatever the case may be like you're still dealing with some form of the elements and the body does respond to that positively in a number of ways and i think it's important that it's such an easy fix you know it's such an easy fix to say i'm going to give myself 5 minutes a day to go to this and and that goes into circadian rhythm like you sleep better at night like a number of benefits happen from doing something like that and really from the mind the mental emotional standpoint Like knowing, all right, I'm going to push myself five minutes more here and breathe through it and slow everything down like that. That's a big deal. It can't be overlooked.
0: I know, uh, Michael Walker talking about, you know, the importance of sleep. Um, and he just hammered it over and over again. You know, you need that like eight hour time slot. Um, he was saying there was like, you know, 1% of the population or something can sleep a little bit less, but everybody else is screwed. They got to, uh, you know, match it with those eight hours. How do people, you know, a lot of people just don't think they have time. A lot of people uh, like to wake up early and, and get things going. How do you, how do you get eight hours of sleep? Like, what are some tips that people can utilize to have a more restful sleep, to have a better sleep? Well, there's a couple of
1: things, you know, obviously Walker gets into um, biphasic sleeping. You know, a lot of cultures still have hi- siesta. It's a big, that's a big one. Right. And not a lot of offices allow you to take naps at work. You <laughs> yeah. know, but obviously, I can on it, which is huge. Google's doing that. They have nap pods and stations and places where people can go meditate. That's huge. I think culturally we'll see that shift going forward. Mm-hmm. Not always the case, especially if you're in a blue collar job. Definitely not the case. So having that one block is really important. And, well, you, get, you know, in there, a are, nap, there like, are. What's a nap? How long do you nap for? You could nap. You could do a power nap in 30 minutes, you could do a gotcha. full nap in 90. Uh, sleep by Nick Littlehales is a great book. He talks quite a bit about sleep hygiene and that. So, you know, unplugging, disconnecting from all electronics. I, I'm not a fan of wearing blue blocker glasses, but we've got some yellow light bulbs that don't emit blue light for right. the nighttime. Uh, my phone and the iPad are always on night shift mode 24-7, so I'm not taking that in. You know, once it gets dark, because I'll forget to switch it over, those kind of things. So, I mean, there's little things you can do to, to unplug from the electronics, but really unplugging mentally You know, I mean, for a lot of people, that's the only time of day they get to watch TV. So they want to watch the scary movie with their wife right before they go to bed and think that it doesn't have an impact. It's bullshit. It fucking impacts you. Right. So maybe you watch the comedy special instead. And, you know, or maybe you, you watch something. Something less disturbing. Yeah. Watch (laughs) something earlier and then read before you go to bed or have a nice conversation, or go for a walk, just do something to really reset yourself and unplug. And then make sure that whatever went down that day, I think the biggest tip for me has been to reflect upon the day as it ends. So -hmm. when the sun's setting, to really think back to what went wrong, what went right, what do I want to change going forward? That way, when I lay down in bed and I have that first, for a lot of people, that's their first time to unplug it's the first time they're alone with themselves especially if you don't have a meditation practice right well what happens then all the shit that went wrong starts racing through your mind that's Mm -hmm. why you can't fall asleep you're thinking about all the shit it's all coming to you because you've distracted yourself with music and tv and conversation and all these other things and then it hits you so if there's a point in the day even for just five minutes where you can reflect for a bit prior to bedtime that can unpack quite a bit of that so when you do lay down there's no worry. And if there's no worry, right. you're going to dip
0: into sleep much faster. It's, uh, interesting. Cause like, that's something that you tend to do with children, you know, like, um, I remember when my kids were little, uh, you know, we always tried to just make sure that they weren't getting like overstimulated before they went to bed, whether mm-hmm. it be a video game or a TV show or whatever it was. And, and they do that in school too, when kids take naps, uh, you know, they give them a, a bunch of shitty food, which automatically makes you <laughs> drowsy um but they also like they'll turn the lights off uh they'll put the shade down right and and things like that and so i think it's just a really simple practice of it's just time to take it down a notch maybe a hot bath or something like that too yeah
1: michael walker was talking about that when you when you have the hot bath and this has been an important piece you know kids like routine adults like fucking routine too yeah you know and if you have that routine of taking the hot bath the the brain actually has to cool down before you will actually fall asleep. So when your body comes out of the hot bath and you towel off and you're dumping heat, there's that yo-yo effect where it will right. dip, it'll continue to dip, and you can actually fall asleep quicker. And so those are those are great practices. Bear, he's he's got a bath every single night before bed. It's one of the ways we unwind and um, right. you know just set the tone. While he's in the bath with me, Tosh will go around and shut every blind in the house and in his room. So when he comes back out, even if the sun's still up. He knows the sun's going down. It's darker inside. And right. you know, we can start to set that tone of
0: what it looks like pre-bed. And you have to tell them, you know, like I remember that with my kids. Like I, I got to tell them, hey, it's about an hour, two hours, you know, in a little bit, you're going to take a bath. And it's almost like a lot of mental prep just to go to sleep. Yeah. I feel I need the same thing. I need, I need like a whole ritual, you know, to, to occur, to, to go to sleep. I think if you look
1: at some of the most successful people in the world, and it's one of the reasons that Ferris will ask so many people similar questions he's trying to ex- extrapolate what are the tools that you have what does the morning routine look like what are right. the things the ways that all these great thinkers are doing to get shit done mm. you know and there's there's a morning routine for a lot of them there's a nighttime routine for a lot of them so really seeing what works for you and what makes sense and then having something that you can go to and rely on that's important that works. what about whacking off Whacking off. Is could, it too stimulating? That could be a part of the
0: routine. It doesn't take me long, so it's not that stimulating. <laughs> I mean, one or two minutes and you I'm are, good to go. You were mentioning before the podcast, you were talking about somebody who had really big balls. And Aaron, then, Aaron Alexander. <laughs> yeah. Massive balls. He might have an issue. Why, why are his balls so big?
1: Well, I think he practiced, it might be genetic, but I think he practices uh, tantric sex, so... He doesn't always ejaculate. He said maybe once oh, or twice a Oh, doesn't always.
0: Month. I thought you said he didn't at all.
1: No. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you never ejaculated as a man, you, that would happen in the middle of the night. Like, that's a wet dream. Like, you're, you're supposed to release at some
0: point. We're such perverts <laughs> out with that we just old... fucking start s- squirting all <laughs> over the place. Out with the old, and <laughs> with the new. Yeah,
1: you wake up with the sheet stuck to yourself. Um, that's what that is? That's what that is. Your body needs to release those Jesus those sprains don't live forever. To me, for the last 30 years, <laughs> they don't live forever. You got to have you got to have some new blood in there, some new guys. So, but yeah, he's got giant balls. I think that's the moral of the story is that um hmm. his balls are bigger than
0: anyone's I've ever seen. I got to see him in Sedona. You know those those kids, those kids <laughs> toys that you can like bounce on, it's got the handle in the middle. It's just like, like that? in South Park. We're yeah, talking about that. that. <laughs> like, they're trying to give themselves nut cancer so they can go get <laughs> medical marijuana in Colorado. What is ta- like is tantric sex a thing like what is, what is that why why does he do that i haven't experienced What's wrong with this I guy? haven't
1: experienced tantric sex uh, I've read about it and practices with Kundalini and, and osho is big on that. um I guess you know you'd have an orgasm internally you know, and a lot of guys are shaking their head right now. I'm happy you waited to get into this fucking after we've <laughs> already gotten some good stuff to the listeners before they turn it <laughs> off but uh, you know there's 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 it, that's like anything in life there's there's um a number of ways you can have sex. Right? Right, right. One positive, you know, women can have multiple orgasms. Men cannot by design. Right. So if the guy doesn't, doesn't finish, he's always ready. That's There's some women can... listening to this right now. They're like, what? I can? I <laughs> have multiple <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> I've never had one. That's right. <laughs> a lot of women probably, but, um, you know, if the guy doesn't, doesn't ejaculate, he's always on call, you know, he's good to go. You know, and I've, I've played with that at times. Um, Ultimately, not making it as long. We got the video here. Oh my! Holy shit! His balls are like up to his chin. Look at his hair. Oh,
0: it's so great. It's such a, a classic episode. But, I remember uh, my, my brother, he was in, in the hospital. I think it was like when he had like his hips done or whatever. And he, like, I was trying to help him like out of bed and I, his gown fucking shifted over and I, his balls were just so massive. Cause he was, he had like a wheelbarrow. He had like a DEMA. In his like, sack. In his sack. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. He got a <laughs> wheelbarrow, <the> wheelbarrow. <laughs> a wheelbarrow full of nutsack. Oh, it's such a good episode. Yeah. God damn, we should just watch this the whole time. <laughs> My I didn't mean to derail no, keep you it guys. On. So... <laughs> keep it on. It'll
1: be good background But uh, Aubrey
0: Marcus talks a lot about sex, and uh, uh, so does Paul Check. Mm-hmm. They talk about sex and love, and they talk about things that you just don't hear people openly speak about, especially men. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear people speaking about it that much. Um, and then Aubrey, I think, is uh, he has like an open marriage, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of that stuff is just, it's fascinating. And to other people, they're like, what? Doesn't make any sense, but these it, things have been around for a long time, right? They
1: have, and I think a great book is "Sex at Dawn" by uh, Chris Ryan. You know, if people are wanting to get into that, if you're in a relationship and you order that book, and she happens to look that title up and sees that it's about open relationship, <laughs> prepare to get slapped. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a fair warning, but um, maybe just have the Kindle version on your phone, uh, that right. kind of thing. But you know, it's just this idea that there there is. There's there, there every, you know, when we wake up, they talk about this in four agreements, you know, the domestication of man. And what does that mean? Right? Like we're born, we know that red means stop at a red light and right. green means go. That's a cultural agreement we've all made as a society. And we still agree to in this country, right? In the U S and it's different in other, in other countries, you drive on the other side of the road, the steering wheel's on the opposite side, those kind of things. Still an agreement, right? Still a part of the domestication of man. We all have agreed, in large part through religion, to be monogamous. And there's some science that shows uh, tribes chose monogamy. Some science that shows tribes chose polygamy. Some, you know, polyamorous. Right. There's, there's just, there's many different ways to do that. And I think there's beauty in all things. And certainly with, um, it's difficult no matter what, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> Aubrey will tell you, it's difficult yeah. no matter what. It's difficult to remain. Um, committed in a monogamous relationship, especially as a married person for the rest of your life to right. not cheat. Um, it's difficult to have a partner who you love and commit to and decide you're going to also be able to be physical with other people. Right. Cause that brings up a lot of shit and it's in your face constantly, you know, and yeah. that, but I think for Aubrey, uh, and I can't speak too much on, on his yeah. arrangement, but, uh, he welcomes the challenge. You know, and the, the challenge, the stressor, that's what brings growth. Right. You know, you squat with the bar every day, you're not going to get stronger. You start adding weight on that brings new challenges, new dynamics, and a lot of new growth from that.
0: Right. So he welcomes the challenge and he's grown a lot from it. I think some of it's just fear. You know, I think people are, are they're scared that they're going to end up being alone. You know, and I think that's part of it. You know, people don't want to, you know, you get sick or whatever happens to you later in life. I think that people want to have somebody kind of there with them. Yeah, You know, so I think that's a, a big aspect of it, but yeah, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you can make, uh, work, work for you is, you know, gonna be different for me. Right.
1: Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Even among people who, who are polyamorous, everyone, there's no one right right way to do it. Same thing with parenting. There's, there's a thousand books on how to parent and, and what to feed your kid and all that shit, but you don't know until you go through it. It looks different for everyone. Not everyone parents the same. My sister and I don't parent the same. We come from the same parents, yeah. right? We have our own way to do it, right? And everyone that's doing open relationship has their own method for doing it. And that's based on those things they agree upon and continue to fine tune over time, as with anything. How do you have your kid eat? How does Bear eat? Um, you know, he, I think he's- Is he foraging for berries and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's out of <laughs> the backyard. He, because he's Bear, is he eating salmon? Yeah. Well, Bears eat berries too. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he, he's-, he's <laughs> bear. He eats, he eats a lot, you know, he eats a lot of different things, but pretty paleo for the most part. He has some gluten-free toast every morning. Um, uh, again, I want him having carbs too. Yeah. He doesn't like sweet potatoes or yams yet, but th- those things take time. Uh, we've gotten him into some different greens over time, eating broccolini and things like mm-hmm. that. So we try to give him variety, but he's got his favorites for sure. Yeah, You know, when there's are, no doubt about When we are at your that. house,
0: it's definitely just part of your, you and your wife's lifestyle. Just eating healthy. Uh, we had a salad, which by the way, tasted fucking amazing. I was like, damn, how do I need to figure out how to make a salad like that's, this? That's the
2: second time we've talked about it on the
0: podcast. I know. It's I know. so good. It was really good. But you know, ha- having it, uh, just be part of your lifestyle and then having your children, um, you know, at least take on some of the things that you're doing, um, uh, for, in regards to like health and nutrition without really shoving anything on them. It's just, it's what's in your house. It's just what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah. And healthy snacks too. You know, like he'll eat, he'll eat chips on occasion, but with a boatload of good guacamole and everything's organic, you know? So is that paleo? Fuck no, but I'm just trying to make the best possible choice. Yeah. And, and mitigate the damage, you know, like I don't want him eating genetically modified food with pesticides and herbicides Mm -hmm. and, and shit like that. So there's, there's some ways I can make those shifts where he can still participate in being a kid, but it's not going to have the same ramifications as, you know, eating complete trash. Um, Never been to McDonald's. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he will at some point when he's older. That's okay. Let me show you what a really good grass-fed cheeseburger tastes like. And then you can make that decision going forward. Right? So giving people the options of, these are all the same foods you're going to eat out there, but see how this makes you feel
0: and see how that makes you feel. Only from Kyle Kingsbury are you going to get a giant ass burger, grass-fed burger that's between uh, two mushrooms. (laughs) <laughs> I believe that's what it was. That's he, right. That was. uh, uh was sir. really good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it, it was, was for, fantastic. Portobello
1: buns. That was. Yeah, badass. I was like, "What is
0: this?" He's like, "It's mushrooms." Then I started seeing things, and next thing I know, I was fucking a goat. Yep. Well, that was just me with the goat mask on. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I looked like a real goat, man. I didn't. I didn't know what was going on. Did it on at feel that like point. a real goat? I felt <laughs> real warm. Yeah, <laughs> I might have just been the blood. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, anyway that just took
1: it way down a notch i love it (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) hey it's got you got to go you got to go all in with this show right Mm -hmm. um you know as we were talking earlier about the ketogenic style diet there's some things that you can do to make a ketogenic diet in my opinion make it even more effective and i think fasting goes along with a ketogenic style diet really well i've never tried fasting uh you know, while previously being on a different diet. But I, I feel that, uh, in the presence of ketones, I think that fasting actually helps you promote ketones, R- correct? No doubt. And that's yeah, the thing, the two you know, work really well together. if we, if we, if we fast and we're not in a ketogenic
1: diet, it's much harder to fast, you know, start because our headaches and yeah, that our body has that. to start learning how to break down fat for fuel again and create ketones. But if we're already keto adapted, it's already mastered that piece of the equation. Right. Then you're able to go without food. And you know, they talked about this in Keto Clarity with Jimmy Moore. Uh, you know, if you were to space out what the first three weeks looked like, and you could delay this too, but if you were to to look at the first three weeks, the first three, the first week you'd have three squares a day with snacks, all ketogenic food. The second week you'd eliminate one meal and go to two meals a day with snacks in the feeding window from twelve to eight, and then the third week you might have a couple of snacks, but you're only going to have one large meal at night. So you kind of can. You know, almost like Coach House, you do the tier system strength training, you have yeah. the tier, tier system keto dieting with fasting uh, spaced out. And I think there's a lot of benefit to that. There's a lot of benefit to intermittent fasting, even if you're not in a state of ketosis. Um, and really for a lot of people, they're not hungry in the morning, you know? So it's pretty easy to skip that yeah. meal and just really hydrate. And I find that the more I do, my wife and I both do intermittent fasting for about 15, 16 hours a day. We typically will finish eating between 5 and 6 PM and we'll start at 9 AM with usually like an optimized coffee, similar to Bulletproof, Mm -hmm. you know, good fats, that kind of thing, maybe a little collagen. And that breaks the fast. So I got to count that as a part of the deal. But, um, given that space, I mean, what happens when I'm up at six with bear and I've got three hours to kill and I'm feeling tired, if I start adding sea salt to the water and pounding water that hydration picks me up a notch. I feel yeah. so awake and alive prior to that coffee that by the time the coffee kicks in, I really feel coffee again. Right. It's not right. like I'm doing coffee just to pull myself up to baseline, right? So many people are dehydrated. If you have a window for that to actually focus on hydrating, to kill your appetite and give yourself energy, it's a beautiful time to, to mm-hmm. front load, to rehydrate the body and then start to work on adding in caffeine or food or whatever it is you choose. I was just hearing the other day, they are talking about putting
0: salt under your tongue. Have you heard about some of this? I've done some of that. Um, I don't know how big of a difference it makes, but they said there's a different blood supply, I guess, under your tongue versus... That's sublingual, yeah. right? Yeah. Kind of gets into your bloodstream, gets in your system a little faster, maybe? Mm-hmm. You said you did uh, how long of a fast? 10 days, five done days? two five-day water fasts, water only.
1: Uh, really messes with the sleep, you know? Yeah. Like, you're not going to... I mean, first couple of days are fine. Then after that, your body's like, hey, you know, if you think about this from hunter gatherer standpoint, you're not going to sleep for eight hours. Perfect. Your body's like, hey, we're, we're starving. Let's go find food in the middle of the night. Let's go forage. Maybe yeah, hunt, you, and not you don't have animal. time to sleep. You got to go fucking get, get time, some food. Time to go eat, right? Yeah, you're not going to get the perfect sleep and just try to hack it out during the daytime because clearly that's failed the past two days. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think there for a lot of people uh, it might be easier to try to work on 24 hour fasts initially, but certainly there's a lot of benefit and and scientifically a lot of benefit to doing an extended fast of four days. Uh, we're talking about the science that ha- they they did at Stanford University when it comes to uh, autophagy and cell, cell death, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're actually removing cancer cells and old cells. And, uh, an analogy I like to use, especially when it comes to immune function, if you got a hundred thousand soldiers and 50% of them are old turds that (laughs) just don't retire. Yeah. Uh, you can help force that retirement process and then when you refeed with good food, you get 50,000 brand new guys that come in wow. and they're, they're hungry and, and they're sense. ready to go. So, you know, you keep the working forces within your body young and fresh. That's really important for, for all things. Does that work uh, with the shorter fast as well? you know, over time, right? It's, it's over time. So, you know, doing, uh, intermittent fasting in a day is not going to have the same effect as doing a 24 hour fast. It's not going to have the same effect as doing a four day water only fast. But if you were to do intermittent fasting for a year, it's probably going to look pretty darn similar.
0: Oh, okay. I I didn't know. I didn't know, uh, what that ended up looking like. Do you, uh, do you end up, uh, cheating on your diet or, um, you know, how do you, when you're on a ketogenic style diet, do you allow for, you know, some pizza or something like that here and there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was at, when I was out in Sedona recently, I had a gluten-free chocolate cake. They got this place, chocolate tree that has some really dope sweets that are made with honey and things like that. Again, no, it's still carbohydrates. It's still sugar at the end of the day, but, um, you know, I have a gluten intolerance, so no gluten and no, uh, no refined sugar, mm. and those are kind of two things that I don't necessarily budge on for the most part. But you're not still, gonna, you're it's, not gonna, a, it's a fucking cheat meal at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, you're not, not gonna, gonna drink.
0: You're not gonna drink a Coke.
1: Yeah, I'm not drinking a Coke. For, that's for damn sure. Um, so there's 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 some play there when it comes yeah. to that. And I was really strict for about six months. I like to be strict keto during the winter months when carbs weren't seasonally available, and then allow some flexibility. Mm. Uh, during the warmer months, when we'd have berries naturally available that aren't necessarily flying in from Mexico and bananas coming from Panama year-round, right. you know, shipping changed a lot of things on this planet. But <laughs> that's true. <laughs> if we, yeah, I think <laughs>
0: it's a it's it's a good mindset to to be in that your worst meal will still be a lot better than your average person's worst meal, <laughs> right? Like I think it's just a you don't. I mean, most of us don't want to just be. Like middle of the road, we want to be better at stuff. We want to be able to perform better. We want to be able to lift better, do jujitsu better. Uh, we want to be able to think better, right? And you want everything to be better. If you want everything to be, everything to be better, a great place to start is with your food. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: People often think this this idea of it's all weight related when it comes to food. Like, Hey, if I eat this cheat meal, I talked about this at PaleoFX. If I eat this cheat meal, I've lost 20 pounds. So I'm going to have a cheat meal, which becomes a cheat day and a cheat weekend. Right. So I gained five or 10 pounds back. And they only think about the pounds that they gained and lost, but they really don't think that 90%, 80 to 90% of our neurotransmitters are made in the gut by the microbiome. And that cheat meal, if it's bad enough, is actually fucking up the bacteria that's going to create serotonin, dopamine, and all these feel-good neurotransmitters. It can lead to mental fatigue and brain fog. If you eat a shitty lunch, you fall flat on your face in the afternoon, right? Like, that's
0: by design. That's not a good thing. So even eating shitty uh, types of fats and stuff, they're recent research shows that it becomes part of your body for up to like three months or something they, like that. Right. I mean, <laughs> finally got rid of trans fat and hydrogenated oils after how long
1: that was in our fries, right. you know, like in every French fry, every fried food, you're getting trans fat. It's in fucking kids, peanut butter. It's yeah. everywhere. Right. And how many more things go left unchecked, like aspartame and artificial sweetener. That's in a lot of things. I mean, there's all these things exist and our government is not looking out for our best interest with that. They're looking right. out for what's going to pay. Right. So that's really the deal is, is just kind of figuring that that out for yourself. And if you don't believe me, watch Food Inc. It's a great documentary on Netflix. We vote with our dollar, but there's,
0: that's an eye opener for a lot of people. Well, a lot of things are controlled by finances. You know, years ago, I think it was the eighties or maybe, maybe early nineties. They had, they used to use coconut oil for popcorn at the movie theater. They, they got rid of the, uh, the, the coconut oil and they are coconut butter whatever the hell it was they were using uh, but the coconut oil is able to take on more heat and so therefore there wasn't any trans fats so instead they used canola oil and then we created trans fats like oh well that was a great job but that's just because somebody was getting paid for it you know yeah. that that's that's how a lot of these things get started and uh, unfortunately there's there's almost nowadays there's almost too many foods to even think of to think of, uh, how many foods we, we need to avoid and not just avoid, uh, you know, from day to day, but avoid for the rest of our lives. It sounds like a drastic statement, but really there's, there's not a, not a great place for some of these foods in our lives. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think a good, an easy take home is, you know, like the cheat clean slogan from right. quest nutrition, yep. amazing slogan, but make your own cheat meal. Right. If you're using your own ingredients, you know what's going in there. Right. That that's a great first step. And then two, figure out which local spots in town actually have healthy food to eat. Right. You know that way when you want to go out and people are saying, "Hey, you know, I got friends in town, and obviously at it, we got a lot of guests. So I got to take people out to eat. Like, let's go somewhere that's decent. You yeah. Know, like I know the places now. We're gonna go eat at this restaurant. They use organic when it's available, and they have grass fed beef or whatever the case is. But I know it's an acceptable go out to eat meal right? Things like that. Or, or against the grain pizza, I can have that in the freezer. And if I'm craving pizza and my son's craving pizza, we can eat that and it's grain free. It'd be Mm -hmm. less problematic for us because we've got issues with that, right? Right. If you don't have issues with it, maybe it's not a problem, but figuring out what the problems are through an elimination diet. And then from there, making conscious decisions on what
0: you're going to put in your body. When it comes to, you know, we mentioned kind of earlier in the podcast, I believe, or maybe it was even before we went on the air, um, we talked uh, briefly about uh, some psychedelic drugs and how they can kind of take you to a certain place that maybe you can't get to otherwise. But you were mentioning that uh, there there are some other ways of getting there. You know, people uh, uh, have all different kinds of feelings and all different kinds of ways they can get to some of these situations. Um, when I was on Aubrey Marcus's podcast, he mentioned, uh, and I, I don't remember all the names of these uh, different kinds of drugs, but he, he uh, mentioned having a program that he has set up that are for people that are sexually abused and they utilize a specific drug. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Uh, I think he's referring to uh, psychosis therapy, MDMA. Right. Yeah, that's what MDMA. it was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of the science that Rick Doblin is doing with MAPS. Uh, They've passed phase three trials. They've received all the funding they need to go through phase three trials. The FDA is fully supporting this. It's uh, got breakthrough drug status, which is extremely hard to get. Hmm. So we'll see this hopefully legal by 2022. And for all the super conservative people out there that are thinking you're going to be able to go to your your local Walgreens and grab your prescription Molly and head home or head to the club, it's not going to look that way. Um, They have a protocol set up for, and a lot of soldiers are doing this too, veterans and things of that nature where... You get therapy for, uh, a number of treatments and then you would have, uh, it's spaced out over the course of a year, maybe three sessions,
0: Mm.
1: one dose at a time. Um, and in that you're able to talk through as things and feelings come up, but again, you have this new perspective and you're able to relive the experience with your heart open with new eyes and it's, it's maybe a little bit less painful. And as you talk about that, it feels good to be able to say things that you don't feel comfortable talking about. And that's why we see with, with drug re- resistant PTSD, like a lot of great changes happening where people have lowered PTSD symptoms, sometimes completely from one dose or from two doses, mm. you know, and, and that's not the beauty in that medicine is it's not something where you, you, you're going to take this pill the rest of your life. Fuck that model. Fuck <laughs> right. that model. Right. Yeah. We're trying yeah. to get away from that. And, um, I think there is a lot of hope and a lot of a lot of science supporting that movement to where we can actually see healing and, in, in, with people that we haven't seen that before, you know? Mm. So there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good that's coming from that. Same thing with ketamine for depression. Um, there's clinics that's, that, that is available at now. My, one of my first coaches in mixed martial arts was on a number of, um, um, SSRIs and depression pills and different things for his anxiety. And he's come off a of 90% of his medication with just three single dose treatments of ketamine. What is that? Um, originally it was, um, used as an anesthesia for horses and dogs and cats. And, um, uh, they call it a disassociative. So it kind of pulls you back a ways in your own psyche. So you can kind of review things as an observer rather than in the emotion itself. I think a great book is the ketamine papers. They sell that on maps.org. Um, and there's just, that just shows all the science that has come out across with ketamine. But, you know, for people that are looking into this stuff, um, and don't know where to start. I think the Psychedelic Explorers Guide by Jim Fadiman is an excellent book. Uh, there's an old podcast that Tim Ferriss did with him a ways back that can show you, you know, the right mm. way and the wrong way. Michael Pollan just had a great book come out um, on uh, psychedelics. That's a phenomenal book. You know, and he, he's mentioned, he's just on the Ferris podcast as well, mentioned oh, that cool. he's not an advocate, but he's an advocate for the science. And there's quite a bit of science that's showing that this shift in perspective and these mystical experiences are achievable. You know, right. and it's not just something that's, you know, for the guy that likes to go down the rabbit hole like myself, <laughs> right? It's something that can be found across
0: the board. It's repeatable. Well, it can be, it can be recreational because you just, you know, I mean, let's face face it, an escape from reality feels good, mm-hmm. right? And being high on something feels good. Um, but also uh, it can be just beneficial period just to, to take yourself through something that maybe otherwise you wouldn't be able to get through. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a, it's about as simple as that. 100%. Um, you've done some of these, uh, you know, I don't even know what to call them, but I guess you'd say like rituals. And uh, you've done some stuff with like Paul Check. Uh, obviously, you've done some stuff with Aubrey Marcus. Um, these, uh, what are the ceremonies called, Andrew? Uh,
2: yeah. Well, I think he's talking about like when you do ayahuasca and you have a shaman.
0: Yeah. Things well. like that. Like what what do things like that do for you?
1: Yeah. You know, I've had, uh, well, I'll tell, I'll tell, I've, no, I've told this before. Um my first ayahuasca ceremony was, uh, you know, it's, it's purgative. You can puke, you can shit your pants. Um, it's, it's very hard. It's, Sign not, something, me up. it's <laughs> not something, it's not something, it's not necessarily a fun experience. You know, like you would never do this in a club or listening to dance music or, you know, there, there's, there's a right way and a wrong way to do anything. But even when you do this correctly, it's fucking difficult. Mm. And, um, you know, I knew that going into it, still signed up for it, knew it could be transformative And, uh, you can have visions that where you basically like enter into a dream state and you live the thing, whatever you're seeing. It's not, you know, when people talk about hallucinations, they, it's often thought of as this thing that doesn't exist that you see, like puff, the magic dragon fucking flies by. And it's like, oh, that Mm -hmm. was meaningless. In my experience, everything has had meaning and it's Mm -hmm. been very personal. And, uh, the first experience I had, I became my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and we, as her, relived every argument we had ever had up to That's that insane. point. And every word that was coming out of my mouth as Natasha yelling at Kyle was in a way that Kyle would understand. <laughs> and when I came out of that, I just fucking flooded. I mean, yeah, I, was, I was crying for a very long time, and I understood with that perspective, it was love. It wasn't you right. nagging at me because I want to get drunk with my friends. It was you're deeply concerned because you love right. me. You know, there was so much, so much taken from that. And not long after that, I became my mother and watched my belly you grow. turning. With, into women. With Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's something there. Freudian. Uh, I watched my belly grow with this baby Kyle growing inside it. And I felt nervous as a mom being, about to be a mom for the oh, first wow. time with this child, with this life growing inside of me. That's and I crazy. knew I loved this kid, but I felt so fucking nervous about doing it right and being the best version of myself for this child. And when I, and my husband, Rick, Kyle's father came over. Was this over before and, you had Bear? Yeah,
0: yeah, this was long before Bear. So even a way different perspective, huh?
1: Way different perspective. You know, your parents will always tell you, like, you'll never know how much <laughs> I love you till you have kids of your own. You're like, whatever, like, asshole. I, I fucking got it. I got it right there. I knew right there, like, how much she cared. And it kind of, it set the table with our relationship. You know, we were going through some stuff, and it was like, oh, I get it. I get it now. Like, there's, yeah. there's nothing I can do where you're not going to love me. I could fucking be an ax murderer and there's still a piece of you that's going to love me because I'm your boy, Right? you know? And that's, that's pretty powerful to have those experiences. And that's, you know, two out of a thousand. And I've, I've done it, uh, 22 times now, which is more than most, but not as much as, you know, a shaman or somebody who lives in the Amazon have done it, uh, far more times than that. But the truth is I keep learning from those experiences and that's what draws me back to them. And they may only be you know, two or three times a year, but they're powerful. They don't need to be often. You know, it's not like, it's not like cocaine where you're like, oh, give me more. That was great. Give me more. You know, it's like, no, I'm good. I feel full. Yeah. I'm satisfied. I can take this and let me work with these Maybe even
0: is almost too much to, to it sounds like it's pretty powerful.
1: Yeah. And it lasts, you know, it lasts a long time and and it shifts you. And, and, uh, certainly when you're doing things correctly with, you know, being mindful of how it's done, um. Having an intention of why you want to be there and journaling and giving yourself space to unpack everything you learn, to put things into practice. All that matters. You know, and I think that the more ceremonies I've done, the better I've gotten at doing that, at really putting things into place Mm -hmm. and kind of grounding the experience into reality. That's all important too. You know, a lot of people show up, they look the same. They haven't changed They're still in the same area they were and they come out of the experience, oh, that was fucking amazing, you know, and I can't wait to do it again. And, you know, they show up and they're the same fucking person because they're not doing the work, right? Right. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You know, when you start getting messages, wherever they come from, from meditation or from just life throwing shit at you, reflection is the time where you get to ground that. Reflection is the time where you can start to put this stuff into practice by actually taking a look at it rather than staying with your focus on something else from one TV channel to the next to the talk radio in your car to the conversations with other people. There there needs to be a time and a place for inward thinking and reflection. Are you able to get the same benefits out of like psilocybin mushrooms
2: or even DMT?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say, I think, you know, a great place is, is to listen about the difference between DMT and ayahuasca is Dorian Yates on the Joe Rogan experience. Mm-hmm. DMT is so fast, you know, it's hard to really take that and put it into play. Yeah. With psilocybin at the higher doses, you know, what Terrence McKenna would call a heroic dose of five grams and up. Um, and done, you know, Heroic in a quiet dose. Quiet, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> a quiet, <laughs> a quiet dun, place. Dun, dun. It is it is challenging, you know. So having a sitter or a guide, and, and Jim Fadiman talks about this in the psychedelic explorers guide, but you know, having somebody there who can answer the door if someone knocks mm-hmm. at the door. Um having someone there if you you know that has been through it before too. So if you say, I'm seeing this thing and it's mm-hmm. fucking with me, they can kind of guide you through it and talk you back to us, you're in a safe place. You know, I'm watching you, everything's, you know, everything's okay. They can really shift that when it starts to struggle. Um, but that is, you know, certainly a tougher deal. And it's, it's, I think it's more important for people to experience lighter doses before they get to that stage. So they have some familiarity with it rather than just, man, I heard Kingsbury talking about this awesome vision (laughs) he had. And I want to go do jump both feet in and swan dive into that deep end. It's like, no, I mean, have some respect for what you're working with and know why you're working with it. Like, what's the reason to go this deep? um so you want people to know there's no shortcuts yeah and i do but i do find like when you're prepared for it uh when you're guided well and when you're ready for that it can be a beautiful experience that is on par with ayahuasca Mm -hmm. i mean no doubt in my mind that that the the heavier mushroom experiences has been on par with anything i've done so
2: asking for a friend where's a good start well i think (laughs) i think in the psychedelic
1: explorer's guide he talks about you know when you look for the correct sitter Mm -hmm. it's somebody who has experience with the medicine it's not your mom it's not somebody who's like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. You know, like they have to have navigated those waters before and know like, hey, you're safe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's a good time for you to have water. Or hey, let's change the song or take you outdoors. Or all those, all the, there's so many factors that come into that. And w- what are the right tools to shift that state of consciousness into a better place as you struggle going through the work? But also to welcome the work. You know, like people talk about bad trips. I interviewed Rick Doblin and he said, really, there are no bad trips there are harder experiences, but if you're being shown something, it's, it's on purpose. You know, maybe you relive, uh, being molested as a child. That's a fucking difficult experience, but you're being shown that to help you heal from it, to unpack it. And in those experiences, if you do that correctly, it can leave you feeling more whole. It can leave you healing and able to deal with those memories better. If you are not prepared for that, that can fuck you up just as bad as the first time it happened. Mm. Right? So it's, it's, It's not cut and dry. There's a lot of gray area, but I think, you know, if it is something people are interested in reading as much as possible, learning, and then, you know, starting in the shallow end is a, is a great way.
0: I think in general, um, you know, people just, they don't tend to reflect or think enough or be mindful enough of, of what they're doing, you know, throughout the day. And I think it's just, it's an, it's an important thing to try to slow yourself down. You'll know, slow down when you're going fast because you have to move fast. You have to move quick. Otherwise you're, you're going to get, get run over basically, but you do need to think about what it is you're doing. Think about the foods that you're taking in. Think about, um, I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast. Think about, uh, is it possible that I drink too much coffee? Is it possible, uh, that I don't get enough sleep? Is it possible I'm neglecting my wife and my kids? Is it just, have these conversations with yourself here and there to, to kind of run through a checklist of what, what is it that you're doing and what are, you know, what, what's the, the result that you're trying to go towards? Are you actually uh, living for some of that or are you actually, you know, screwing up because your time is, is uh, situated too much over, uh, you know, working Instagram, whatever, whatever it might be, just be open to the fact that, Oh, you know what? I, Yeah, I I could, it probably makes sense if I took the day off or got out of work early and spend time with the kids or spend time with my wife. It probably makes sense if, you know, I'm having 10 cups of coffee every day. It probably makes sense if I switched to decaf or had one or two small cups of coffee, you know, just be mindful of the different things that you're doing on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. And that's massive. You brought up a great point. I, I was reading this book, I forget the name, but he was talking about how we have concentration in one box which most of us in the west are in most often and we have meditation which more people are getting in tune with but in between that we have contemplation mm-hmm. and it's truly a forgotten art where you would set the table as you would in meditation it's going to be quiet maybe some instrumental music those kind of things but then to th- to contemplate what's going on to be reflective you know and that's so important because if you create the space for that you can see things from new angles you can actually start to have a plan and a and a course of action on how to improve your life and fix some of these areas that you need to fix and really decide where you want to go moving forward you know but but
0: if you're always in distraction mode or go 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 you don't have that distraction mode and uh, like an impulse mode mm-hmm. i'm hungry so boom you stop at mcdonald's and you just you eat while you drive and you ate three Big Macs and you're, you're on a 15 minute drive and you go to reach for another one <laughs> and there's not another one there. Cause you ate them all. you you for, even forgot. You're not mindful of the food that you're uh, about to, about to eat rather than it's a totally different principle of, uh, you calm everything down. It's dinner time. You set the table. Like at my house, um, The kids will help with some of that. It's not real organized. I mean, we're not uh, not sitting there getting into some weird chanting or anything like that, but we we, we take our time, serve the food. Uh, It's, you know, one course at a time, and we're thankful for it. We're grateful for it. And in my opinion, when you do stuff like that, you'd be a lot less likely to really think that that Big Mac's going to be all that good. You'd probably be disgusted by it. If you actually just sat there and thought about, where that food came from, what it's made out of, what's it going to do to your body. And so my advice all the time is just for people just to, just to slow down a tiny bit and just think a little bit, Mm -hmm. think, think about what you're about to do. Think about, uh, the pros and the cons. How does this help? How does this hurt? Anytime you want to go off your diet, anytime you want to fall into a bad habit, how does it help? How does it hurt? And try your best to be dedicated to yourself. Try to be, try your best to be dedicated to the, I I know, I know I'm not the only one who feels this way, but you have these conversations with yourself about how you want to be better or do better at a certain thing. You want to lift more weight. You want to make more money. You want your business to impact people in a different way or whatever these things are, no matter how big the scale is or how small the scale is, I think we have a tendency to talk ourselves out of it. And if you can slow shit down a little bit, you can make more sense of it. You can be narrow and you can focus in on uh, the things that are going to make you better. Has it helped? Has it hurt? 100%, brother. Fucking pump those brakes. Yeah. (laughs) Got some questions coming in over there? No, we're
2: pretty slow today, but um, I had a question going back to uh, like UFC fights and MMA and whatnot. Are you able to enjoy those watching them now, like since you've been through it, or do you kind of tense up and get a little like. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I I only get tense when I watch my old teammates. Yeah. You know, Luke, DC, Kane—they're all still fighting. Bader. Um, I don't get tense watching fights. I certainly as a, I'm a, still a giant fan, so yeah. like I've never stopped watching. I've always loved watching the fights. I still get my heart rate up. I'm still cheering for certain guys, especially yeah. if I know them personally. Um, but it's not something where I feel like panic necessarily unless it's a teammate and i see him in trouble then i'm like because yeah. i know everything they're going through i know who they're training with how hard they're working everything they put into that yeah you know there's just a connection there so it's different watching those guys i bet
2: how long have you been
1: uh shooting the bow today was my third day Damn. and i had plugged i plugged uh i knocked the arm off the mark bell piece there right it is. there look at that look at that. <laughs> Marking Yep, Marky move. I I'm, had to put one through your skull, too. I know. I'm very offended. <laughs> we had John Dudley in town for on it, and um, he was just coming off Rogan's, and uh, he taught me, he gave me, like, 48 hours worth of private lessons. Oh, shit. Built me a custom Damn. bow and, and gave it to me for my birthday. It was my oh, birthday when awesome. we were doing it. Yeah. and, that's and really uh, cool. Something I've wanted to get into for a very long time. It's a beautiful practice, just in in the practicing of it, because it's, you know, like, there's there's uh, Zen and the Art of Archery, great book. And it's a, it's an active form of meditation. Like you can't think about anything else while you're doing it. You have to be 100% tuned in in that fucking moment and you, you, it's a way to hack flow state. Yeah. So it's incredibly addicting. And, um, you know, I want to get into bow hunting. It's something I want to do. I went on an elk hunt last year with rifles, but there's something primal about that. You know, we're talking about that. There is, there's a lot to it, you know, and, and uh, being in nature and being with people that you love and care about and, and going for your own food you know, the way we, we've done for eons prior yeah, to killing <laughs> something with a stick, <laughs> but it's cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's something it's, it's highly addicting and I absolutely love it. And I definitely want to, um, I want to get one of those little targets that you got, cause I can set that up on the side of my house. It's yeah. a little bit easier than making my way 45 minutes up to North mm-hmm. Austin mm-hmm. to go to the range. So if I got that on the side of the yard, that's definitely something I'll be able to do more often.
0: You, uh, went for a pretty long run, um, uh... A couple years back, I think he went like 30 miles or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, just over 50K
0: Damn. out in Zion, Utah. You got any tips for me? I you i do it? Running's hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't think, you know, I don't know, like, I don't think I, would, I...
1: I wouldn't do an ultra. I would do, and I won't do one again. I think half marathons are good. Yeah. Um, it was nice to torture myself, especially in Zion, where it's just incredibly beautiful. Mm. Um, you know, Kelly's book, Ready to Run was excellent because it showed different end ranges for mobility that you should be able to do. Um, And I went back to super training, you know, with, with, yeah. (laughs) Mel Siff. Yeah. And, and uh, for you know, just doing depth jumps and things like that, that really worked on spring and plyometrics as my body was strong enough and mobile enough to get in those positions, jumping down from something basically jumping down from something on top of something else or jumping down from something as far as I could go. Right, right, and they say only to start that once you can squat double your body weight. I was right around there, you know, mm-hmm. not much over that, but um, it's a powerful tool, you know. And as you create that extra spring in your legs, the chances of you getting hurt from running are greatly diminished, mm. you know. So, you know, people often used to think like mileage, 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 and then Primal Endurance came out with Mark Sisson, another great book that talked about combining endurance running with the ketogenic diet and all the science behind that. But um, lifting weights. For running, for distance running is really important. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I'm going to lift weights for an hour straight. It's still working on max effort stuff and the doubles and the triples and things like that, that pays dividends, uh, maybe shortening, shortening your, your rest periods in between, but all those things play a factor. How strong you are determines, you know,
0: where you're going to fail. Yeah. It's a big factor in in every factor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there, uh. you know, in, in, uh, messing with, uh, running, did you, did you get banged up at all? Like your knees and stuff? I mean, cause you, you weigh what, 215, 220? Um, 230 right
1: now was 238 when I ran, yeah. you know, no injuries at all. Um, I was a bit dehydrated and had, uh, some candida and parasites. So I had to learn mm-hmm. about the gut and that's cool. Cause you know, in reflection that taught me about gut health. Right. And, uh, so everything with a, with a purpose, but, um, you know, as far as injuries, no, none whatsoever. And, did you um, run on flat surface or hills or both? No, it's f- fucking all all Flat-ish mountains, mountains, oh, mountains. Zion Utah is a lot yeah, of mountains. Yeah. You know, like hiking straight up. You know, right. but and, it just and, and in training and stuff,
0: and just in prep. Did you, or did you not prep for it? you? Just ran.
1: I ran. I you know I did. We were out here in in California, so I was running in Los Altos at Rancho San Antonio, and it's you know it's it's not super steep at any one particular point, but I mean in the training I never ran more than a ten k. Oh, okay. So that was one of the beauties, you know, in a lot, as a lot of this stuff comes out is you don't necessarily have to put in the mileage. If you're running hard and you're still putting in decent mileage and then you're lifting and you're doing plyometrics and you're working on mobility, it's going to carry over, right? It's more about form and strength and, and the ability to have snap in your legs than it is necessarily about just constantly putting yourself through the meat grinder, especially as a guy my size, right, and your size.
0: How come uh, nobody at your house ever has clothes on? Well, I don't. <laughs> what is, what, is hap- what has happened? I over don't there? think they're necessary. <laughs> it's hot in Texas. We don't need clothes. Come it does, on, it does get pretty warm in there. Your your wife uh, is. Uh, you said she's learning right now, um, uh, teaching yoga. Yeah, she's doing yoga teacher
1: training right now. It's her second hundred hours, and being tested on it as she goes. She had to do a Sanskrit test with hundred and eight words in Sanskrit with the definitions, and got a ninety percent on it. So cool. She's doing really well. She might start calling out positions in sex. Uh-oh. that are in
0: sanskrit so it's like uh some naked twister
1: uh-huh i might have to start learning some of the lingo but um you know she she has a great teacher there jen Pru, uh breathe los gatos and it's a it's an mm. amazing facility i've had some of the best times i've ever done yoga have been there so uh she's really excited you know when she finishes the 200 hours she can start teaching but she'd like to get the 500 hours before she actually starts teaching at a studio and mm. Um, there's places in Costa Rica where we can go, I'll take bear and we'll just hit the beach all day long with some coconuts while she's learning and getting her extra
0: hundred hours in at a time. So we're really excited for that. That's awesome. Is, is your, uh, job with the Onnit Academy, is it like, uh, you have to like punch in certain times or is it more, is it more, uh, relaxed than that? Is there like a specific? It's fucking relaxed, you know,
1: unlimited PTO. It's, it's definitely set up like a lot of the millennial tech companies. Right. Um, uh and yeah you know i'm just not like, get i on salary i'm not on the pay clock so get your shit done yeah exactly <laughs> get your shit done um they do want us there nine to five obviously that would create a riff among employees if somebody was coming in at noon every day and leaving <laughs> at three <laughs> right so you know just just for the team aspect of it you know we're there nine to five but everyone's encouraged to lift weights while they're on the clock while they're there you know you can go hit a class you can go get in the sauna they do 50 percent off you know copay massages you get mm. while you're working got a meditation room oftentimes i'm outside doing tai chi with my shirt off and shoes off in the grass so it's it's an amazing experience it's a
0: different uh style of of gym you know like um you know obviously anna has supplements and, and that's a huge part of their business but the the gym model is awesome you know it's really cool they got a lot of different uh varieties of things that you can learn there they got a they got a lot of classes where you can learn uh, kettlebells and, and all kinds of different things. What are some things that are, they're working towards now? Cause I think you guys, when I was le- there last, maybe you're expanding some stuff or maybe you're setting up athlete training. Yeah. We've been working with a lot of pro athletes with the partnership
1: with Exos. Uh, I think some ridiculously large number, like 80 something of the guys that went in the pro draft this year in the NFL, oh we're working with Exos. A lot of them were coming into on it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. We're looking to expand the On it gyms. I think they're going to have the next location out in Vegas and then maybe somewhere in California.
0: Oh, awesome. Um,
1: uh, down south, no competition, don't worry. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and then cafes, obviously. You love the cafe. We're going to roll yeah. those out too. And, and uh, we've seen that with Bulletproof and some different places. But, you know, being able to go in and get yourself like a great keto smoothie and optimized coffee and whatever, yeah. like we should have those in a lot of places. So there's a lot of things that are growing and, and I don't have my hand in everything, just a lot of things. So I get to kind of be a part of most of what's going on, and um, you know, online training now with the On It Six program is really cool for people that just want to learn how to move bodyweight training. You know, and and this is stuff John Wolfe designed that kicked my ass. Yeah. as a guy who's powerlifting and doing MMA and shit like that, so it works for everyone. And um, I helped with uh, a lot of the dietary protocols for that. Aubrey on the motivational inspirational side, Liv Langdon with uh, recipes and how to cook, and it's just a, a complete guide to how to take control of your body and everything that goes into
0: it. It's pretty cool. You have all those resources you can go and learn from each different person. You can mess with the clubs or you can mess with the kettlebells. Yeah, or... I've, been,
1: I've been playing a lot with the steel mace. And what's beautiful about that is it just opens up the subscap, you know, and just gets the shoulders yeah. moving right. Like anytime you're under tension while you're moving through uh, a different motor pattern, you're actually increasing flexibility, but it's, it's with the nervous system engaged. It's a lot better than passively stretching. Right. And I found, you know, from all the years of benching and having my shoulders forward and fighting and jujitsu, <laughs> yeah. it's really important that I open that back up. So some of these tools have been tremendous for me
0: personally. And then there's jujitsu there. There's, uh, you got 10th yeah. planet, right? Um, you mentioned uh, jujitsu being like man yoga.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, you put yourself in these weird positions and a lot of good schools, not all schools are created equal, but certainly with the 10th planet system, which, uh, Eddie Bravo created who's big into yoga you can get in a full lotus you know inverted upside down without touching his feet you know, like mm, he can just damn. throw himself in a full lotus like fucking dalsing from street fighter <laughs> you know like it's there's an element to that where you're going to open the body in weird ways and that's on purpose to warm you up before you have to do that with you know mark bell on top of you right so all with a purpose but um it's great to get on the ground and actually move around like an animal and open up the body. And there's a lot of translation to that. I feel my best when I'm doing that. That's one of the reasons I keep wanting to do that, you Mm -hmm. know, truly, um, it just helps me move better. But then that goes back into putting
0: myself in challenging positions and things like that. that we're getting
1: into, you know,
0: super cool, my man. It was awesome having you on here. And, uh, is there anything new or what, what, what do you have coming up next?
1: Well, uh, you know, listen to the On It podcast. we got some great guys coming up. But check out my man Aubrey Marcus's book, Own the Day. We just made New York Times bestseller list. Oh, it's awesome. how to master every moment in the 24-hour cycle. And if you own the day, you own your life. You you can repeat that pattern, right? And uh, they don't leave anything off the table. They talk about the morning routine from hydration to breath work to cold therapy to how to optimize your sex life, the best time to work out. You name it. It's all included. That's um, cool. Yeah, phenomenal book. It's doing great right now with sales, but you know, truly a transformative book. And um, that's about it, man. We're we're uh, we're gonna unplug a bit. It's been really, it's been really uh, a hard yeah, push. Yeah, you guys are, uh,
0: kind of on vacation, right? Basically? Yeah, and
1: now it's a time to to take a deep breath and
0: unwind a little bit before getting back at it. Awesome, man. Always good having you on here. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. See you later. Awesome, Yo, my man. A lot of fun. Hell yeah.